Dark in the city, night is a wire. Steam in the subway, earth is a fire. Woman, you want me, give me a sign. And catch my breathing even closer behind. Do, 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 do. In touch with the ground, I'm on the hunt, I'm after you. Smell like a sound, I'm lost in a crowd, and I'm hungry like the wolf. Hey, how's it going, everybody? The Chris's are back for the fourth episode of Quester Days. We are now officially one-eighth of the way through this, <laughs> this podcast series. How the past few weeks treated you, Chris? Man, I've been super great. Now, now listen, I'm not as warm as some folks up in the U.S. with this heat wave hitting me, but I feel like today that I'm blindfolded and on a rolling barrel and waiting for the challenge. Wink, wink. Oh, yes, the challenge. See, the challenge is coming. See that segue? Mm-hmm. That's what I yes, do because I'm sharp as a whip today. This is true. This is true. Now, today's issue is all about a challenge. We're not going to see the entirety of the challenge, but we are going to be introduced to the concept of a certain challenge here and yes, it's going to pit two of our very favorite characters together uh, two of our favorite characters neither one of them we can really empathize with because they're both kind of jerks but... <laughs> boy you said it this is like <laughs> it should be elf quest the story of stealing my woman that's about the size of it stealing stealing my woman stealing my uh, my produce because i mean they're stealing crops they're they're, <laughs> they're they're stealing wildlife this is uh some looting and plundering here, but uh, I feel I feel we should have like Weezer as the soundtrack. What's with this homies dissing my girls? Yes. What have they gotten up front? Why? Why? <laughs> it's very very true. Uh, Oeu, I am just a sun toucher. What? No. <laughs> Wait um, a minute here. <laughs> that, that's not a line you want to use, be have used out of context, unfortunately. Or very <laughs> I think if Disney ever took ElfQuest, the the sun toucher gimmick would be the first thing to go. Yes, <laughs> that's that's something we can pose to our listeners here. What's a more 2021 name for sun toucher? Oh boy, oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Please let us know. The mouse uh, will be screaming on that one. Go ahead. <laughs> smash the like button and let us know. Um, <laughs> Now today, it is ElfQuest number four. Of course, these are the Marvel Epic issues, and this one had a November 1985 cover date. I was uh, just shy of my sixth birthday at the time, so I was still a, a young lad who should be nowhere near reading these sort of things. Uh, as we've said many times to this point, the issue is called The Challenge. It's by Wendy and Richard Peeney. Uh, colors by Glennis, finally Whoa. credited. Whoa. Finally credited. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. So, Glynis, good on you. Edits, Archie Goodwin and Joe Duffy, our consultant, as always, is Jim Shooter. <laughs> what he's consulting on, who knows? Maybe the, the, the shade of, uh, of, of color for, uh, for Cutter's tunic, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's making sure that those extra pages are in there to make sure that the proper amount of Marvel Method content is there in these books. Mm -hmm. Yes, because Cutter's Blade, New Moon, has a razor-sharp adamantium in it. And it's, uh, it's all good. <laughs> um, cover price, 75 cents USD, and there's no Canadian price on my copy. Hmm, 
that I'm going to have to check. I got to check my dirt rags. Yeah, because like I, I might like, have a maybe I have a newsstand. It has the it's the UPC one. Maybe it's a direct market. Oh, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. That, that that's your problem right there. You but you buy you did, you got to buy the newsstand version. Of these yes, man. Like, I good, need the one with the little Spider Man head in the corner. And and no. I was telling you I was telling you this story um, ahead of time, uh, just before we came on air. I I had a great deal for some ElfQuest comics. It was it was a good run. It was a good run of comics, and they were in great great shape. I had this thing secured, sixty bucks. Then the lady who was selling them bailed on me. Stop returning my uh, messages and, you know, not available for pickup. And then all of a sudden the auction ended and it disappeared into the ether. So if you are this lady, shame on you. Shame on you, woman. You know what I think happened? happened? I think this woman, when you put your bid in, she's like, I got to check into this guy. And so (laughs) she did. And then she's like, wait a minute. He's got this podcast called Quester Days. And she's like, I'm going to listen to this thing. So then she listened and she fell in love with the books again, and she couldn't oh, part with them. We ruined it. Yeah. We ruined, so we, we were hoist. Just... We were hoist by our own audio petard here. <laughs> she she re reignited her passion for the ElfQuest property through our show, and screwed you out of the auction. Now I feel bad. Now yeah. I've, we've reignited someone's passion, and mm-hmm. and here I was besmirching her on the air. That's well, yes. I'm sorry, Linda. <laughs> so so linda in uh in newfoundland uh write to us let us know uh your thoughts on this program here and uh this one's dedicated to you um now we pick up in our comic here right where we left off last time now if you remember the wolf riders were stood before sava this is sorrow's end's mother of memory she was that very tall woman with yes. a cloak we didn't know if she was human uh mutant elf whatever now she welcomes them to sorrow's end now, Rainsong, she comments that Sorrow's End was what Cutter had named the place in the first place. So how, how in the hell did this happen? I, I always wondered about this. Was this an intentional slip and they just, you know, back, you know, back paced themselves and wrote themselves out of a out of a painted corner? What happened here? Like, you know, Cutter calling out Sorrow's End is one of those things. You just wonder how he would even know how, you know, that that it exists. You know, this whole waste exists. So, you know. Sorrow's End, I always felt that that was unusual, Chris. I don't know. What do you think? It is. They kind of lampshade it by having Sava be like, well, yeah, of course you knew that was what it was called because we're all of the same race and heart and mind. And uh, hmm. I, I guess that's convenient enough. I think <laughs> having the concept down, but when you call it the exact same thing, I don't yeah. know. It's a little know. little suspect. I, um, I, I, I think our editors, Archie and Joe, was uh, were playing overtime in this one. Yeah, well, I, well, actually, this this was before their time, so it would have been uh, Wendy and Richard. Yeah, this is this is straight out of uh, this straight out of the original. So um, mm-hmm. maybe this is just a way to, like Sava says here, uh, all the elves are are one people and they have this sending ability, and maybe there's some sort of residual sending or unconscious, subconscious yeah. sending. I mean, it's possible, I suppose. Strange. Yeah. Now we mentioned at the end of last issue that Sava is quite tall relatively speaking and she could easily pass for a human and as mentioned the fact that her you know she's wearing a hood it's covering her pointed ears that covers that adds more to that suspicion or no worries though sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure but but she's she's no human she is in fact an elf now upon this realization cutter our uh, wolf rider chief he kneels before her and he refers to her as being one of the high ones now we met the high ones Kind of, sort of, in the first issue where that palace came down from the skies. It was these taller, you know, more uh, 
I guess, less chibi-sized uh, elf characters. <laughs> you know, but they're more in uh, more in what's that word here? Where perspective or uh, yes. Yeah, you know, just yeah. I'm trying. Uh, the anatomy is more human, you know, uh, shaped, proportional. That's the word I'm looking proportional, for. Proportional, correct. Now, um, she smiles and she says that she's flattered that he would think that she was one of the high ones, but alas, she is not. She is old. She's she's quite ancient, but not that old. She's so old. How old is she? Um, she's so old that she refers to the Wolf Rider's eldest member, Tree Stump, as nothing more than a mere stripling. And, and <laughs> I love it when you you mere striplings. Back in my day, you mere striplings, see? <laughs> That's what we have to refer to all children as from now on. <laughs> He's just a stripling. Just That's what a stripling. I'm going to call I'm going to call my kids that when I go up over the up over the stairs here now. Come <laughs> to me, striplings. <laughs> It's time for dinner, striplings. <laughs> now, she turns her attention back to Cutter, and she refers to him as a fighting cockerel. <laughs> now, now, a cockerel is a young rooster, in case you were wondering, and I'm sure you were. Uh, now, Sava <laughs> walks with the wolf riders, and she is so very pleased to finally have confirmation that there are, in fact, more of their kind in this great big world of two moons. She tells of her youth. She speaks of, uh, you know, flashing back here. She lived in a green growing place, not unlike where the wolf riders originated. And she claims that for all elves in Sorrow's End beside herself, such a place is nothing more than legend. All they know is this desert oasis. They don't know green. They don't know woods. They don't know a halt. Sava is the only one there old enough to recall that. Now she's showing them. Or is she showing them in this panel on like a painting, or is this like a like a cave drawing, or what is this she's showing here? That I'm not. Sh- I think it's. A, I think it's. I, maybe it's like a way of showing that there's a cultural difference. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a projection? I'm not really sure what it is. But anyway, she's pointing at the wall and she's showing Cutter. You know, just like a, like a their visual. Trek. Yeah. Yeah, their trek. And what's interesting about this trek is that the, the elves that we see here are all Sabbath size. Like they're yeah. they're all of height. You know what I mean? And we see like a smaller, I guess, child elf in in the front, but they've all have you know stature. So you know, I'm wondering where along the lines that the elves lose the stature. You know what I mean? Or or at least yeah. Sabbath's group. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. So, so that's definitely an interesting visual or visual. But I see it like here, the Wolf Riders, like they, they seem far more ignorant than Saba's group. You know what I mean? Which leads me to wonder, you know, what type of relationship was there before before we got here? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not recalling the full story on on that. But, you know, Saba seems to have this sharp reaction to the word human overall yeah. as as a thing. So, you know. Well, I think we know that there's, you know, a little bit more to this story when it comes to the their relationship with the humans than we than we know here. So it's going to be interesting as it unfolds. Absolutely, and and that's something that uh, that I was trying to remember as I read through this here. We know that Sava and her people they came from a green place to yep. the oasis, but we don't know why. Like, were they just were they just explorers? Were they just trying to broaden their, you know, horizons, literally and figuratively? Were they just trying to, 
were they just on a trek or were they being chased away? Were they? Yeah, because they had to go over the waste as well. So, yeah, you know, why exactly. would you submit your people to, you know, go over a scorching hot desert unless mm-hmm. you knew that there was some end result? And I mean, if you're bringing your entirety of your people across this desert, I mean, there's a reason you're either, you know, fleeing from somebody or mm-hmm. something bad has happened that you have to get across this desert. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you're risking extinction, basically. Exactly. It's, uh, it's pretty rough. Now, Sava continues her tale, and she reveals that she and her family were among the first settlers to Sorrow's End. As mentioned, they did cross the desert waste, and they found the oasis here. Now, young Scouter, he asks Sava if the humans chased her family away. And she doesn't give a firm answer. She She claims to remember the humans, as we just said here, and she expresses disappointment and surprise that... Even after all these years, humans still fear and hate them. Yeah, she sort of goes, she said, yeah, but I remember, oh yes, I remember the humans. And still they fear us after all this time. And she even laments, she goes, what a pity. Yeah, for sure. Now she tells the tribe that they're safe here. Humans cannot get to them at sorrow's end. And we jump ahead to that night where there's a grand celebration. Wolf Rider and Sunfolk alike are partying down. Now, we see Lita and another two young ladies putting on a dance number, and the elves are all smiles. Well, all but one. Um, You know, Ryak the Submariner is decidedly not enjoying this. (laughs) Boy, to say the least. I mean, (laughs) if you had to take a look at his eyes, I mean, this guy, he's stewing. Like, his Mm -hmm. eyes are literally on fire in this book, and he has some huge hate for these wolf riders who just come up on their, their group, you know what I mean? Everything was great until these friggin' wolf riders showed up. <laughs> so, you know, now Cutter, on the other hand, he's watching on gloriously. You know, he's checking out all the moves that Lita's got going on there. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, but boy, does the Submariner hate this. He is, uh, he's <laughs> he's going to do something about it this issue. God bless him. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because, like, Ryak, he, he used to be the alpha of this yep. entire village here. And, uh, and he was... Basically the only man in Lita's life. So he was, it was like, uh, it was like, hey, it's me or nobody, (laughs) basically. And uh, now for the first time ever, he's got some competition. And uh, we watch as he levitates a strange orange-like fruit out of a basket using his mental abilities. And then he takes a chomp out of it as he watches Cutter, who is watching Lita. And uh, this fruit looks very bizarre. It looks like a... You remember those like gumballs you'd get that looked that had like little lumps on like bumps yes, on them? Yeah. They would look yeah, like yeah, yeah, fruit. yeah. They, that's they kind really, of what it looks like. They, geez, you got me you got me tasting those things. I can <laughs> literally visualize or literally taste it right now. Mm, yeah, where it's like hollow ones. and it has the little beads in it. Yum. <laughs> Absolutely. <Damn you>. <laughs> now, Cutter, I mean, uh, in a very um not current year thing here, he uh, grabs Lita by one of her tassels as she's dancing. And their eyes meet once more. Ryak burns with jealous rage when he sees this. And, uh, I mean, to be fair, Lita is not all that happy about it either. No, but hey, man, she just needs more convincing, Chris. You know how this goes. (laughs) Oh, boy. No, no, some of this doesn't blend well with uh, with 2021 sensibilities here, sir. So, I mean, this is if this happened today, this would be (laughs) like the ultimate me too happening here. I guarantee you. People would be boycotting this book. Imagine imagine what this would look like if this was put on TV. I mean, seriously, in 2021, if they put ElfQuest on TV and having Lita, like, literally forced against her will to go with Cutter because they recognized each other, oh, man, that would be so changed immediately. I mean, yeah. this could 
this could only have played out in the 70s and 80s. Let's be fair. Even even in the 90s, they were sort of swaying into the, you know, the tough girl genre where, you know, mm-hmm. I don't need no man. And, you know, <laughs> this I'm telling you right now, like if, if you took this this source material right now, they would need a million rewrites before this made screen. I'm telling you, oh, yeah. because Lee, Lita would be definitely the one making these decisions and Cutter would be the unsure one here in this one. I guarantee you, be, <laughs> basically, <laughs> the, the roles would be flipped. She'd be like, I need you as my man. That's how this would be going. in 2020. I don't know if I want to. No, you have to. <laughs> OK, you know, come on with me, boy. And that's that's the way it would be. That would be it. <laughs> Maybe that's another uh, project that we can uh, that we can tack onto this show, trying to rewrite ElfQuest for current year. That would be uh, <laughs> that'd be quite the choked. thought experiment. <laughs> I almost choked on my ginger ale, but I think that is definitely happening. We will we will <laughs> we will do a visual rewrite of one of the one of the issues. Oh man, twenty twenty one sensibilities. I love it. That's perfect. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, now, from here, we get a brief montage showing us how the wolf riders are acclimating to their new surroundings here. Uh, the wolves love it because they're excited to have, like, all new desert game to chase and eat. I mean, seriously, what game is there to be had in the desert? Seriously, like, what wildlife <laughs> is found there that, you know, these wolves can eat? I don't know. Now, I'm desert ignorant, okay? Maybe you can fill me in where you're where you're closer to the desert than I. So what, what are they eating? Are they eating... Armadillos or, or what's happening? I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's like if you're in the woods, you you can eat rabbits, and yes. if you're in the desert, you could eat different colored rabbits. <laughs> I, I mean, do rabbits exist in the desert? Oh, oh, dude, well, my entire yard at the end of the day is covered in rabbits. Are you serious? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. There every single night around dinner time, I can look out into my backyard and there are a dozen rabbits. Just uh. It looks like something out of a Disney movie. It's like a bunch of rabbits, a bunch of quails and quail babies walking by. Wow. It's it's pretty wild stuff. Hummingbirds uh, like landing on the on the plants outside. It's so, so it's I've very got a, strange. So I've got a potentially culturally insensitive comment. <laughs> but then again, I have been deeper into the desert, and I I have had face-offs with the more uh, the more, uh, you know, uh, cliche desert animals. Um, I I was actually in a standoff with a javelina. You know what a javelina is? <laughs> what? You made that up. What is it? Oh, a javelina is kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a boar, like a desert boar. Oh. And uh, they are notoriously protective of their youngins, their striplings. So uh, <laughs> when I was doing windshield repair, I would be sent out to the, to the you know, the far reaches of Arizona. So I would have to make like a seven hour drive to a trailer park a couple hundred miles away and uh, do a windshield repair, and then come home. You know, it was some ridiculous stuff sometimes. And there were towns you'd get to where you couldn't use the one street in the town because there were cows there. Like I, I was actually stuck in traffic because cows wouldn't get out of the way. Am I am picturing your area all wrong, Chris Sheehan? <laughs> well, well, I live in the city, but outside the city, it's it's a, it's a lawless place. And uh, <laughs> and one day well, I was I was off the beaten path going to a a customer's house, and a javelina ran out in front of my car, stared my ass down. Ooh. would not move this and it wasn't a big javelina but javelinas are scary like they're tusked you know they've got tusks Jesus. and uh and it stared my car down 
and I I reversed a little bit and it stepped towards me and I'm like holy crap I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a javelina in my front seat in a minute <laughs> so we stared each other down for <clears throat> probably like a minute and I'm waiting for this thing to get out of the way and I'm like okay maybe there's some babies that need to cross the street and then it's just you know when the babies cross the street it'll go but no it just stood there staring me down so, and so, so I, I I've got a question for you at that mm-hmm. very moment. Did you look around your shoulder to make sure that nobody else was looking and then press the gas? <laughs> well, I, I considered it. I considered it. But uh, instead, I backed up a little bit more and I figured, OK, it's a dead road. I'm just going to go into the other lane and get around it. So I start to creep. You know, I, I pull back and then I turn the wheel to the left a little bit to go into the oncoming traffic lane where there's nobody. And the Havelina comes into that lane. Oh, shit. So. So I figure that, okay, maybe this this Havelina's lair is a little further down the road. And it is telling me in no uncertain terms that it does not want me here. So I turned around and made a you know three-point turn, and I got the hell out of there. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this Havelina beat me <laughs> in a game of chicken. <laughs> that is the best story ever. I oh, love it. Man. And oh. a, I also ran into a, a carrion, a very large bird, which... Uh, Another one that landed in front of my car, and it was looking me dead in the eye. That's how tall this bird was. I was in a car. It landed on the ground, but it was looking me in the eye. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm from Brooklyn, you know? <laughs> I, like, I, I live in a place where, like, wildlife is flush. Like, we have giant moose, and we have, sure. you know, deer, and we have... You know, rabbits are everywhere. We have, you know, all you go into the woods and you don't know what you're going to see. If you're going to see a wolf, you don't like literally Sasquatch. everything is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so you never know. <laughs> the Newfoundland Sasquatch, you know, <laughs> don't don't start that rumor for Jesus sake. That's all. We need. <laughs> uh, but man, like I, you rarely see anything like the animals. Like I, I think they're on to the con because there's such a big hunting like oh, um, hunting tradition okay. here. So, you know, they, they stay away from humans. So literally you can go into the woods and none of these things would bother you, let alone, you know, hunt you down. Sure. But yeah, man. I, I, I guess they were playing games with you at this point. They were. It's like it's like the javelina called the bird, the buzzard. And it's like, hey, there's this idiot. Uh, just scare him. Just put a little fear of God into him. <laughs> it's true because you don't know. Like you, you literally don't know. My wife would pick this thing up and cuddle it. I'm telling you, she is absolutely fearless when it comes to animals, but I'm just like, like, I will not even like, um, we went on vacations and like she swam with the dolphins and all, all these things. Right. My first thought is like, these things would knock me out with his tail and drown me (laughs) on accident. Even that's what I mean. (laughs) I'm not a risk taker with animals, but anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you survived your incident. I did. I did. I lived to tell the tale. Um, (laughs) Now, you know, we have the wolves. They're happy with their new fresh game. The elves, too, are happy in their new surroundings, though they have decided to take up residence in the caves in the you know mountains surrounding the village rather than living inside the uh, the village housing, you know, houses, huts, little cabins. Uh, they are more, I don't know, rough and tumble. They need to live in the I, in the, the I caves. saw that. <clears throat> and that was sort of a. That was sort of a slap into the face to the, you know, the sun people. You know what I mean? These sure. guys are not going to live amongst them. No, 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 no. We're still going to be separate. And we're going to just, you know, hold up shack in these caves, which mm-hmm. when you think about it, it's in the cool. They still get all the luxuries of the, you know, of, of the sun people. They still go out and, you mm-hmm. know, take part in their celebrations and their food. So, I mean, 
best of both worlds. You're still separate. You don't have to deal with these people. So win win. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, here we meet Shen Shen, who is Lita's yes. far funner sister. Um, now she's got a handful of blankets, and she's going to deliver them to the Wolf Rider children, and she invites Big Sis to come along with her. Lita's like, nah, she refuses. Shen Shen says, hey, you know what? You might you might want to be a little bit more friendly to the Wolf Riders, especially toward Cutter. Now I like Shen Shen. It's you know me too. It, this is where I think the reason why a female writer and artist really work in in some situations. I don't think I don't think ElfQuest could have been done by a man. And here's mm-hmm. here's why I think this because it's these character moments and interactions with the females. It's, they feel so authentic and natural to me. I may be completely off base. A woman might say, ah, we don't talk or act like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I ain't no expert on, you know, women conversations. But to me, it feels accurate and more realistic than what you'd see, like, than in a Marvel comic. You know what I mean? Like, in For just sure. like if you saw, like, you know, Sue Storm interacting with Reed, you know what I mean? It it it, it feels like a man wrote it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But here, when you got the, you know, the artist who who is a female and does, you know, not only the the physical renderings, but the characterization, she nails stuff like the costuming, like it's really rich costuming that, you know, you think that she put a lot of time into design because it seems like something that is not easy to reproduce. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of thought gone into this book and the look and the feel and it all feels authentic. And this is why I think this book has like more soul than almost anything that was on the shelf at that time. And I mean, it, it really pops and speaks to me that, and I think that, you know, when you're talking about, you know, female creators, I think that mm-hmm. Wendy Peeney can't be overlooked because I mean, her work here stands out and, you know, this is what I could expect instead of all these things that you see in, you know, DC's attempt to, to push their agenda forward. A lot sure. of it feels forced, but this stuff feels like, here you go. This is what happens when you get a great, women woman writer and artist put the work and you get this work and it's fantastic well it's true there's a subtlety to it and there's a nuance where like you look at the the silver age marvel stuff and uh, i mean that's all stan lee you know he's a dude and every single side character basically is a secretary who's who's like in love with their boss or who is in love secretly in love with the hero of the book Right. right. Pepper Potts, uh, Betty Brandt, um, Jane Foster, you know, they're all in love with the title character over in D.C. Uh, they were more they were professionals. You know, they were like I think half of them were newspaper writers because that's an easy right. thing to write for, uh, for a writer. But nowadays you talk about the D.C. stuff here and it's there's no subtlety. It's like, OK, well, we have this character. It's 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 a woman, but uh, we're just going to give her every male attribute. Right. You're exactly right. And they, they try heavy handed to mm-hmm. like instead of feeling natural, they, they try to push like, OK, you know, the women are super strong. They're stronger than the men. Like they're mm-hmm. really, really overcompensating when you can just the write a story. Yeah. yeah. You can really write these characters within the realm of sensibility and you don't mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be heavy handed. But no. when you talk about a few things they did, like with uh, with pride and with different things like that. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of great talent out there who write these books for sure. But but just write them as as normally. It doesn't have to be like every single gay character, every single female character all in one book. You can mm-hmm. have it just interacting normally and play out normally and still write a proper story. And I think you yeah. get this here with, with ElfQuest. And what I like about it, and here's here's why it speaks to me, is because the character of Lita, number one, she's just not going to accept that, you know, that 
that this ritual of record recognition, you know, mm-hmm. that she's destined to go with this wolf rider. Sure. No, no, she's mm-hmm. she's denying. Oh no, hell no. I ain't <laughs> leaving in that. You know what I mean? So you yeah, know, she wants she, to have some say in it. Right. She's stepping yeah. out of bounds, and that wasn't the thing back in the seventies. And I, no. there you go. So that that speaks to the strength right there. It's cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Very, very nuanced and, and very, very well done. It it actually ages quite well, to, despite does. some of our some of our fun we're having with uh, <laughs> some of the topics. <laughs> now, Ryak pops in. He pops his head into the conversation literally, like he just pops his head around the corner, and he runs Shen Shen down for encouraging Lita. He's like, "What do you What do you think in here?" He calls the Wolf Riders barbarians, especially their young chief. Ooh. And uh, this team, this seems to tickle Shen Shen. <laughs> she's it like, does. Yeah, she's like, she, it's like she wants to see Ryak taken down a notch or two. And uh, she suggests that Cutter might just be the one who can, uh, who can maybe give a uh, Ryak a little bit of humility and uh, maybe, maybe keep his feet on the ground a bit. Oh, it's so fun because Shen Shen is, is you know, she's getting super great joy out of this competition between these two guys. You know what I mean? She sees these two guys fighting over her her sister and she's just having such a great time with it but i think she's acting as almost like the voice of the reader we know there's this big storm brewing between cutter and ryak and she's the one poking the bear you know what i mean oh (laughs) let's do this and getting a great (laughs) charge out of it so when ryak you know berates her for you know encouraging this behavior she's loving it she doesn't care yeah no and like despite the fact that I mean, this is very much Cutter's book, and we're meant to sympathize with him. And as soon as we meet Ryak, we don't like him, right? Of course, we're reading it with a more analytical eye now, so we can kind of be like, hey, this kind of sucks for Ryak. Ryak's getting jobbed here, and Cutter's kind of being a dick, you know? So we can think— Oh, boy, is he ever, yeah. (laughs) We can see that, but I think— our initial gut is that we are going to side with the Wolf Riders because that's who brought us in, and we see Ryak is this guy standing in their way. So I think what you're saying that this is the uh, this is basically proxy of what the reader is thinking is is 100% spot on. It's like right, this we like want to see Ryak taken down a peg. Ryak is the dude at the mall that's hanging out with like the super hot chick, and he's like. He's like only semi-marginal with a beer gut. You know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> how did that dude land her? I wonder. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> for sure. For sure. Now, <laughs> now, continuing with Ryak, our scene shifts and we follow him. He is off blowing off some steam by hunting. Ah. And, uh, I mean, hunting in general might be a contentious topic, right? In, in as far as how sportsmanly it is to come at a defenseless animal with a weapon. We're not here to discuss any of that. But Ryak's method of hunting is even less sportsmanly um, because all he does is uh, he looks a boar in the eyes and it freezes in place. Maybe you should have used that tactic when you saw the wild boar or whatever I tried. it was. You the <laughs> I tried. I think it went the I think it had like a reflect spell on because I froze. <laughs> it's right because he goes to the woods to you know do hunting which is you know this manly ritual you know to you know basically take down an animal you know what i mean that's the big deal but ryak is using his these powers to mm-hmm. manipulate his prey you know what i mean he freezes it so it instantly shows the separation between cutter and ryak because cutter is here to you know to call out his ass on on using his powers you know what i mean but it just seems like it's like it's a cop-out 
because he's, he's not, you know, he wants to call himself a man, you know what I mean? I'm this man, but really he's using these back doors to, to accomplish what he wants. So he uses his powers, uh, you know, to oversee these things. And, and Cutter has no time for that. He thinks that it's the cheapest thing he's ever seen, but man, does Ryak take care of this boar? He elevates he him in sure the air. Does. And then mm-hmm. he just jabs that thing right in the throat. I'm just like, whoa, this is pretty brutal. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Cutter, he's he comments that he's like, he's like, he's there watching, and he's like, yeah, you realize you're you're kind of you're kind of cheating. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and and Ryak actually he tries to lampshade this here. He's like, hey, you know what? He's not gonna feel any pain when I do this. So oh. it's more humane than anything you would do, you barbarian. Ugh. Well, listen. I'm the last guy who goes to the woods, goes hunting. Let me let me tell. I don't even understand the hunter mentality. Yeah, it's not something I want to do. Like me, I, I like to think that you know packaged hamburgers that I buy in a supermarket don't come from an animal. I I I, yeah. I don't consider the animal factor at all. So I know no. I know that may seem like ridiculous to a vegan and all that type of stuff, but I like to put the the whole slaughter portion of that stuff out of my mind. So I, oh, I don't 100%. really. So I don't get why people would load up a truck and spend a weekend trying to hunt down an animal, gut it, and skin it, and it, oh my god, I, I just can't imagine it. But anyway, there's better things to do, folks. Get your own podcast. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> spare spare an animal, get a podcast. That's my message here today. So, there you go. but let me tell you something. If I had to, if I had to hunt. I think that I would use Ryak's hunt ideas. To be fair, I mean he's no sense with his method, but I think that if I if I was going to actually kill something, maybe that's the way to do it. That's all I'm saying. For sure, without without pain, yeah. But yeah, Cutter kind of he kind of twists the knife here. He's like <laughs> he's like so okay okay so that that boar's not going to feel any pain. So uh, huh, is that how you plan to get Lita too? Oh, shots fired, <laughs> and I think it is. <laughs> let me let me tell be. you something. It, it has any of the things that we've seen first. It, you know, does he have Lita really under her spell or under his spell? Yeah, that's something. Dazzled, that's something I never yeah. thought. Exactly. Ooh. Definitely something to consider, especially as we get closer to the challenge here and some of uh, Lita's internal monologue. Where it's the old purple pill in the drink, my friend. <laughs> the rehypnol. Yes. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, Ryak, he's like, you know what? Don't bring up. Don't even say her name, right? I don't want. I don't want you anywhere near her. Yep. And then, as we mentioned here, he he levitates this boar and right through the throat. Boy, does he ever! And he is. He, I mean, he's just looking at Cutter as he's just jabbing this boar in the throat, and he yep. is sending a message like, "What's happening to this boar is what's going to happen to you, son, if you don't step out, my lady." You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's what's happening. But whatever there is, there's a sense of understanding, you know, Ryak, if there's any degree of compassion that you had for Ryak, it's literally flushed down the toilet here because, man, there's little honor in these methods. And I guarantee you that that poor boar, you know, if he was trying to do it painlessly, I don't know if he really tried there. He's jabbing it right in the throat. And boy, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, that night, the wolf riders all note that Cutter is behaving quite strangely. And it's here that we get to learn a little bit more about the concept of recognition. Yeah. And uh, we find out that he hasn't eaten for days. He's just like a he's a real mess. Like if if they were if he had a boombox, he'd be playing like uh, My Chemical Romance or uh, <laughs> Dashboard Confidential or whatever that is. Um, <laughs> Dashboard Dash, Dashboard Confessional, I think that's who it is. Um, he's kind of like an ultra hormonal teenager at this point. 
So basically, yes. pussy music. <laughs> yes. Um, now, do shine. A young, a young stripling of the uh, of the Wolf Rider clan here. She isn't sure exactly what recognition is, and so she turns to Tree Stump, her father, to deliver some both explanation and exposition to maybe uh, let us know. I love this scene too because old Tree Stump, he's got his arm on the thing, and I yep. mean you gotta you gotta really visualize Tree Stump. He's like your your little John of of uh, Robin Hood's gang. He's got oh yeah. The, He's got the, the blonde chin strap hair. Beard. Yep. He's got the chin strap beard. Like you can tell he's got like he's wise. He's like the old guy sitting out on the out on the porch back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's about to tell the story of, you know, how we make babies. You know what I mean? That's what's happening here. <laughs> Go Absolutely. ahead. Tell and, it, and it's worth noting here that Dushine, well, she's going to have quite the recognition based story oh. around the halfway point of this this series here. It's going to be uh, troubling. Trouble. Now, uh, Tree Stump's explanation is, well, quite simple. <laughs> now, when an elf lad and an elf maiden recognize each other, it's fixed. And All there's right. nothing either can do about it. So uh, remember those words, Dushine. <laughs> there's nothing Uh-oh. you can do about it. Now, Skywise, he's off to the side chatting up his chief. And he asks if he's absolutely certain that Lita is the one. Cutter's like, yeah, I'm sure. And what's more, he's sure that uh, Lita knows this as well. He knows that Lita knows that he's the one. And he feels as though Lita knows his soul name. Uh, We've touched on soul names, right? A little bit. But the soul name is kind of the the hidden name of an elf. Yes. Like, uh, I guess, like the, the social security name <laughs> of an elf. <laughs> uh, now, it's only known to them. And the one who recognizes them. So nobody else knows it intrinsically. Like Cutter, we we will find out that Cutter and Skywise have exchanged soul names because they consider themselves brothers. So they know each other's soul names. But it's not like a instinctual urge where Lita knows Cutter's soul name immediately. Doesn't know Cutter, but knows his soul name. Now, Skywise suggests that, you know, if this is truly the case here, if she knows your soul name, if she is the one you recognize and who has recognized you, you got to cut the BS, man. You got to go. You got to actually just talk to her here. Don't don't grab her by the damn tassels. Don't force yourself on her. You need to actually have a, a, a conversation with this woman and maybe try to hash this out, good, bad or ugly. However, it turns out. You owe it to yourself and to her to discuss this. Here's here's where, yeah, and I mean, here's where we're seeing some commentary on it, because up to this point, you know, we're seeing some really, really aggressive dating tactics. You yes. know what I mean? I'm going to pull <laughs> on your tactics. You're mine, lady. You know, pull I'm going to lift tassels. you up and throw you over my shoulder. Yeah. You're mine. I recognize you. Get on the friggin' wolf. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. And it's just how insane, how pushy this whole elf culture is with recognition. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just... As Tree Stump says, bang, it's done. You know what I mean? As soon as you recognize, boom. And when you're talking about this tradition in our culture, when you're talking about in 2021, I mean, think about this. You're talking the 70s here. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of these pre-range marriages are still big cultural, you know, Things. Uh, yes. Yeah. In, in, in other cultures and all that type of stuff. So, you know, this is this is based in real world happenings here. Mm -hmm. But. 
a lot of this stuff, you know, we see under attack in, in modern day, you know what I mean? I mean, there's still such things as arranged marriage and all that type of stuff, but you see people breaking away from it more and more. And whatever your thoughts are on it, it's definitely on display here. And when you're getting old um, uh, Skywise here trying to talk some sense into him and just say, you know, just go talk to her, man. You know, yeah. have a conversation with the girl. Like, don't beat her over the head and throw her on the back of the wolf and take her into the sunset. You know what I mean? Like, physically talk to the girl. I mean, this is this is literally groundbreaking stuff here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a statement on it's a statement on relationships in other cultures here. I think so. For sure. It's strange how these groups, like the Wolf Riders and the Sun Folk. You know, they both understand and abide by the whole deal of recognizing. So everybody's on the same page, but I think there's some questioning going on. I kind of like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we jump to the next day where Cutter does just that. He attempts to anyway. He knocks on Lita's window or the, I guess, the adobe next to her hole in the house. And he tells her that, you know, there's something between us here. We can't deny the truth of our relationship. And Lita, you know, she, of course, she knows what's going on, but she feigns ignorance here. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have not the foggiest idea, so go away. (laughs) And uh, Cutter goes to call her out on it. But before the discussion can go any further, Ryak is back. And he shoves Cutter to the ground and he hurls a bizarre wand into the dirt next to him. You know what? Put yourself in Ryak's shoes, and this guy is constantly hitting on your woman, mm-hmm. and blatantly in front of you, he's over trying to, you know, take up shop by her house. Oh, yeah. I would kick his ever-loving <laughs> ass. Yes. So, I mean, I am a Cutter fan because, you know, he's he's my favorite character in the entire thing, but I just can't help but want Ryak to give him a beating here. You know what I mean? Enough mm-hmm. is enough. This guy, this young buck, comes out of nowhere, comes literally stampeding down over the mountains trying to take his woman and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, seriously, how did we proclaim a fight in, back in the day growing up? What would happen if you stuck, you know, a wand in the sand to challenge someone today? What what would you do? Like, how, how would that play about, you know, the whole challenge wand thing, which is coming up? You mm-hmm. know, what do you think? How how do you think that would play out? Like, if you were fighting someone in high school, how would that play out? I probably wouldn't throw a wand at the ground. No, um... no, 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 no. <laughs> You're going to let it know, listen, I'm going to beat the piss out of you if you do not stop this particular activity. And I think when you're talking about stealing one's woman, that is definitely grounds for a battle. And uh, if you saw our high school, basically Mm -hmm. everything was – it's not like it was today where, you know, you can go into your house and you can bash somebody on Facebook and you start a little social media campaign. Nope. We're out by the schoolyard. Basically, two two strikes upside someone's head. Someone fell down, and that was the end of the contest. And then you then you moved on. <laughs> that was so, it. Yeah, that, that was, was that was literally it. And everybody was okay with it. And not a teacher even took you know a second glance at it. They're like, oh, okay, the fight's over. All good. Meanwhile, yep. poor Billy's got you know you know no sight in one eye for the rest of his life. But we're good. <laughs> he didn't hurt his woman. That's the main thing. There you go. <laughs> That's the size of it. And I mean, just uh, this is something we've said a few times already today. It's so interesting looking at this with an analytical eye because, I I mean, I can't remember ever rooting for Ryak before. And I mean, he's not someone we want to root for completely, but we can actually see his side of it. We can we can empathize with the fact that this is a guy who's losing everything, you know, and not by any fault of his own. I mean, maybe a little bit of his own hubris. But at the same time here, he is just doing what he's always done since he was doing it. And 
it's only now when we have this other tribe where it's it's being kind of shown up. So exactly. I could definitely, definitely empathize with uh, the former, you know, BMOC, you know, the big man on campus having, <laughs> having a little bit of a – having eat a little bit of crow. So now Cutter, he takes this wand to Sava, and Sava's like, oh, that's a challenge wand, and I haven't seen one of those in centuries, which – that tells us a little bit more about how old she is. Yep. Now, later, Sava has brought together Cutter, Ryak, Lita, and her parents to discuss the terms of this particular challenge. You know it's it's uh, it's tough times when you bring the parents in. You bring mom and dad, yeah. Yikes. So she provides Lita the opportunity to stop this contest simply by saying the name of the elf whom she's recognized. So basically, you can stop this right now. This does not have to happen. All you got to do is say one word, and this is done. She does not. She refuses to. Now, she looks at Ryak, and this is a couple of panels here that I, I've always loved. Ever since, you know, first reading this when I was like nine years old. I love these two panels here because, you know, there's that saying about, like, anybody who watches Star Wars automatically uh, identifies with the Rebels, right? Yes. No matter how rich, no matter how evil, no matter how you know, powerful they are, they always see themselves as being, you know, trodden upon by right. a greater evil or by a an empire, someone with power. These two panels here are kind of the ElfQuest version of that. She looks at Ryak first, right? Her lifelong friend and a, you know, just a guy who is powerful. He is just strong. He is noble. He is respected. And she thinks to herself that a romantic relationship with him might be compelling. Then she looks at Cutter, this rough-and-tumble savage, this guy who is is humble and just, you know, wily and, and uh, just a rascal, you know, someone who I think all the readers would immediately identify with. You know, this guy who is not perfect, this guy who is just like a cool guy. But not perfect, certainly not like a noble, you know. This is, you know, Aladdin, right? The, the, exactly. the, the street rat, you know. So he is a savage, and in many ways he's Ryak's complete opposite. And yet, Lita is beginning to realize just what recognition means. And she can't handle it, so she sobs into her hands. And she says that she'd rather mate with Cutter's wolf than him. So, uh, I mean, we all have our fetishes. We're not here to shame anybody, Lita. So you're in a safe place here. Um, now Lita is, she finally speaks up and she says, I can't choose and I can't refuse either suitor. Man, I can I can only think how one of our rewrites would go on this, you know, what I mean? <laughs> because because right in the middle of this, Lita would snap her fingers between the two guys back and forth doing the hoe. I don't need no man and stroll right out of there. That's what would happen. <laughs> She'd leave with Shen Shen. <laughs> Love it. Now, Sava smiles. She realizes just how difficult this is for Lita. And she then says that the trial will commence to determine which of the two will be able to court the fair maiden. And it's a test in three parts. A test in hand, head, and heart. And we will see one of these play out during this issue. And Ryak, you know, brazen fellow, he proclaims that he'll win every event. And then Lita <clears throat> will have no choice but to be his. Uh, oh. 
There's your rewrite right there. We'll have no choice. Uh oh. I mean, think about it. Ray Act, that may be some antiquated thinking, but I, you know, listen, I'm not sure back in the day that Wendy Peeney was saying, you know, this back in the 70s. She was certainly making a statement about, you know, a woman's right to choose here, okay? I think sure. that's exactly what's going on. So, again, this feels very natural in character. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is why I feel that the type of story that they're writing here, you know, a woman feeling, you know, broken between, you know, two men, you know what I mean? The, the, the tribal leader type guy or the the rough wolf rider you know what i mean making that choice i don't think a a, a dude would know how to write this properly but it comes off 100 authentic and yep. like you said those panels just the way the, the way they're drawn the way she's looking at them you know her her reactions are all authentic and just the way peeny renders eyes oh, like she says God. a lot with eyes in this book you know what i mean it's a very um it's a very subtle thing they do, but I think it's one of the hallmarks of all her work that she's done. That she's done. Oh yeah, is that it's so much soul. Yeah, she's able to emote with just the visual of the eyes, and I think you know when you're talking about someone who's a great emoter, I think about like Kevin McGuire back on Justice League. Just, sure. You know, just a droopy mouth or a, a sly grin or just mm-hmm. you know what I mean the way he did faces, and I think Peeny does this really really well here too. So super super totally. super good stuff here. Totally. And, and and another thing here, I mean, Ryak is saying this stuff here, but we're immediately told that uh, that wasn't a cool thing to say because Lita, she's like, what the hell? I'd have exactly. no choice. Then she's like, hey, Ryak, maybe you're more of a barbarian than Cutter. Oh, so, uh, you go, girl. Um, but literally now, in, in this culture, she has no choice. That's the thing. Yeah. So her standing up here, especially in front of like Saba, is uh, has to be groundbreaking. Oh, for sure. Now, uh, Saba officially declares that the challenge is on and it will begin at sunrise the next day. And we waste no time. We get right into it here. Now, we see that a tent has been erected in front of a in front of it is a circle of stones. Now, we get a bit of the old uh, Royal Rumble picture in picture promos here. You know, like when the Royal Rumble, it's like, uh, you know, like. It's doink, and he'll say something. And, oh, here's Hulk Hogan. He says something. So we have Ryak in, you know, the little picture in picture. He says Cutter will never take his place. And Cutter says, "What you gonna?" No, he says, "Uh, he's confused that there's a contest at all." He says, yes. uh, I, don't "I don't know why see... there needs to be this." Yes, I don't but see if... the need. Yeah, but I want it, but I'll do it as Lita wants. Exactly. If Lita need, if Lita needs this to happen, then fair enough. Now Lita, she thinks to herself that. The power she wields right now, she can stop this with a single word, but right. for whatever reason, she can't bring herself to do it. And Sun Toucher, he just hopes everything ends well. He's like, <laughs> he's like can sure. we just get past this? He sure does. <laughs> now, Skywise offers Cutter the Lodestone for luck because Jeez. Skywise can't think of anything but the Lodestone. I mean, it's his only plot point up to this part in the story. Like, why would there be anything else? That's <laughs> true. It, I, I was surprised when he was having that conversation with Cutter in the rocks just before he went to Lita <laughs> that he didn't bust out the lodestone at that point. I was waiting for some lodestone action, but he, he held off for this moment. He did. He, did. he, he knew to pick his, his spots. Um, <laughs> now, Shen Shen's off to the side, and she and her gossipy friends, they giggle at this whole event. They're loving it. And Shen Shen blabs that Lita recognized Cutter. And she suggests that the whole village is talking about this. And I tell you what, 
if that is the case, could you imagine being Ryak right now? If everyone's oh man, like, that is some, like <laughs> that is some crap there, man. I'm telling you, I'm I'm in the I'm in camp Ryak or at, at least up front on this one because <laughs> now he has now he's called out. His entire village is is on display. This guy is literally trying to take his woman, and he's got to do it on public display. Can you imagine the pressure and just the just the sheer humiliation that this is for him. I mean, this is just crazy. People gossiping about how Cutter is more hormonally and pheromonally, uh, you know, uh, attractive to the woman that he's been pining over for his entire life. Ouch. I mean, that's like, you know, he's got a bigger, you know, hoo-ha than you. It's like <laughs> and everybody knows it. It's uh, That is hilarious and accurate. <laughs> <laughs> now, we hop into the contest here. Inside that circle of stones is a cylinder with two grooves in it. Now, into the grooves are placed two long rods, giving it kind of a teeter-totter effect here on two different uh, sides here. Now, the elves will stand on either end, you know, one foot on each plank, and they would try to knock the other one over, kind of like a American gladiator sort of thing, yes, except without the exactly. sizzle sticks. Yeah. Right. So this is the trial of hand, which tests strength, balance, and agility which are three very important things when it comes to picking a lover, right? <laughs> I mean, when, I, when I proposed to my wife, I had to uh, I had to arm wrestle a guy. I had to walk a tightrope. <laughs> the and three I had trials, to, of course, yes. <laughs> I had to say the alphabet backwards. It was, it was wild. And I, I fought ninjas on the Bridge of Serenity, yes. you know, all these things. <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> I had to climb a ladder and tap a thing on the wall. And, uh, and the, uh, Also for this, they're going to be blindfolded. So, uh, and it's funny here. Off to the side, we see the wolf riders cheering for Cutter, except for Tree Stump. He cheers for Ryak. I think there's a bit of sarcasm here too. They, he Definitely. says that you know, he's uh, he's just being sympathetic, but yes. no, he's he's going, you know, God, good luck, black hair. You know, it's just it's <laughs> just the ultimate in you know a backhanded slap. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. He's like he's like Cutter's gonna beat his ass. I just feel bad for him. I'm gonna give him something. <laughs> And, and I mean, no, the Sun Folk, nobody's cheering for Ryak. No. Nobody. It's this this guy has come in and has captured the hearts and minds of his people. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> oh, man. Man, this Ryak, you know, if he had if it weren't for bad luck, he'd have none at all. And so over the course of the next two pages, Ryak and Cutter engage in some balance related combat, which Cutter wins easily now i want to talk about this because the (laughs) action like i think wendy peeney you know gets criticized just for you know it's not her action but man she has some great action here there's a lot of great movement and not your traditional movement that you see in classic comics like if you're reading a superman comic Mm -hmm. and he's attacking doomsday like a lot of the poses are your classic you know fist to the head stop yeah. The long shot of like, you know, the spike going up under Superman's chin, that type sure. of stuff. You know what I mean? There's a lot of movement in her uh, in her art here. And I just think she has a really, really great grip of movement. I mean, this it's, this lady is an underrated artist, man. I'm telling you, it's like it's like water. You know, yes. it's like it's that uh, that old uh, the Bruce Lee shape of water thing. It's like it's very, very fluid, very, very natural. You could yep. see. Cutter and Ryak almost as extensions of each other here because of the way that they're manipulating each other's grips and Bingo. bodies. It's, it's beautiful stuff here. Um, 
But as we mentioned, Cutter wins. Cutter wins, and the Wolf Riders just whoop it up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing at the I'm I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking like. If I'm writing this, I think me as a writer probably would have put Ryak over in the first fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of having like this, because I mean he comes off almost squashed in round one. You know what I mean? It's and true. if you're if you're going to have Cutter win or eventually pull this thing off, you think that you know Ryak would not be the guy out of the gate to win this thing. So yeah, you think it would be like a come from behind sort of thing? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you know he really he really has to you know go out of his way to pull off this big win, but nope. He beats Ryak's ass right away, and, you know, Big the crowd time. loves it. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, stop us if you heard this one before. I don't remember Ryak being quite this sympathetic before. Nope. Man, <laughs> he's he's basically he impotent here. <laughs> he he's, he's really being beaten down. Everything. He's, he's like, a, he's a stepchild here. It's, a, it's something. <laughs> now, Lita's mother, she says that with this loss, Ryak can no longer lay solitary claim on her daughter. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Uh, now Lita feigns like she's unimpressed. You know, Cutter won. Sure, big whoop. But there's no way he's gonna, you know, best Ryak in a battle of wits, right? He's he's a barbarian for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yes. It's it's weird because it's it's one of these things that everybody's going along with it. So everybody's following tradition and, you know, going to lay solitary claim on her daughter. Everybody's good with this. You know what I mean? Everybody honestly thinks that we're, we're good. You know, whoever wins, this is going to get Lita and everybody's good with it. All except Lita. (laughs) Lita's basically, you know, she's artificially recognizing that herself, that she's rooting half ass for Ryak because it's the Mm -hmm. right thing to do. She's just trying to save face. Yeah. And uh, man, I, I really like it. So she's, you know, she's going out of her way to show that she's upset that, you know, totally. that Rayek got his ass handed to him. So I, I really dug that. Yeah, I, th- I think what she's hoping for is for the earth to open up and swallow both guys. I think that that would be the <laughs> best case scenario for her. But I think if she has to, I, I think she just doesn't want the decision made. It's like, yeah, uh, maybe maybe somehow this can end in a tie. I don't know. Now. <laughs> At that very moment, the Sun Folk are trying to take Cutter's new moon blade from him, which, as you might imagine, he is none at all happy about. Sure. Now, Sav is like, dude, you got to play along here. You got to relinquish your weapon for the next event because his blade is going to be taken and hidden in the secret caverns. You see, this whole next trial is predicated on the contestants finding their weapon. And so Cutter's like, all right. Hands it over and turns to Lita and he's like, see what I'm doing for you? You're the only person on this planet who would get me to give up my father's blade. And he still doesn't understand why she's making him do it. So it's a yeah, nice little nice little that, scene. That is a good touch because Cutter's putting stakes on. He's got this, you know, mm-hmm. sacred blade that he holds so dear and he's yeah. putting he's putting it on the line. So, you know, he's making a statement to her like this is how much you mean to me. Yeah. Yeah. Very and, cool. And, and I don't know why you're making me prove it. And. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot more about New Moon as we go along here. There's a lot a lot in that blade. Um, oh, yeah. Now this takes us to our closing scene here, and it's a little bit of an awkward one because I mean we've talked before these these issues are different sized than the original Warp Graphics ones, so they're not always gonna get the cleanest cutoff points. So no. Cutter and Ryak they're both re blindfolded, and now they have their hands bound behind them as well. Now, they're taken on Beast back to those secret caverns, and we follow Cutter because he's our guy. He gets plopped down, still tied up, and his guides say, hey, if you want to take off the blindfold, you can, 
But first, you got to free your hands. So uh, it's all up to you, pal. And then and then they leave him. And uh, they say if he doesn't return to Sorrow's End by nightfall, well, he, he lost, but they'll be back to pick him up. Mm-hmm. And that's where we leave it. Really awkward ending. Like it, it literally, it like there's there's no big you know to be continued. There's no yeah. literal drop off. There's no indication that this is ever the concluding page. You know what I mean? Would it be the right idea to have a splash page that shows you know Cutter just lamenting in the cave and what's coming up, or you know what I mean? And leave yeah, with some little been, for sure. Yeah, or or lead with some you know a thought of what's happening in the next issue. You know what I mean? Even like a mm-hmm. scroller on the bottom. Anything. But this yeah. cuts off blank, and this is where you can really tell that you know the the difference between the the originals and the the Marvel series here. And this this was not a good a good end off point for sure. No, no, not at all. But that might be the end of our story, but it is certainly not the end of our issue here. We've got a lot of back matter to get to here. No, start- no, now first, oh, first, we, when we talk about back matter, so we came off Moratory Mondays, which is our our signature initial show we did together, mm-hmm. talking about Strike Force Moratory, and one of the funny things that we always used to bring up and it was pretty damn funny i must say so myself uh was that was that the uh, the letter columns were virtually non-existent yes. there was never anyone writing in there was barely ever a comment and it was to the point where the the writer on some of these books would literally demand or beg the he fans to send beg. something anything yeah. in james hudnell was his name mm-hmm. and he was literally crying for fan support and they were struggling to get it especially in the in the latter issues but uh oh yeah boy does this take a spin here on quester days it sure does and i mean i'm trying to think like on moratory i think we might have had six out of the 32 issues that actually had a letters page yeah and you know what's genius about this is Hmm. that richard peeney wrote all these damn letters himself (laughs) And good for him. James Hudnell should have used this Richard Peeney technique, but he didn't have the foresight. He's he sat there like Rayek, just literally <laughs> neutered, neutered in front of the comic buying audience. But no, sir. Chewing on a crunchy orange. <laughs> while while Wendy is crafting these beautiful books and scripting it and doing all the, the fun detail, he's writing letters. That's Richard's part in this whole thing. Oh, boy. Yeah, because... I mean, we open here with Richard sort of kind of humble bragging. <laughs> yeah, so our first letter comes from Richard in Texas. No, <laughs> He's like, boy, we get a lot of letters. Oh, man, I got so much work to do. Oh, this. Oh, man, it's hard to be me. I got a lot of letters. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, Bullshit. We, <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> now we start and, and they're they're all very, very convenient, these letters, and we will get into them. <laughs> We're going to start with Lawrence from Texas. And uh, Lawrence wants to know, how, how, hey, how do I go about subscribing to ElfQuest? Hmm, good huh. question. I bet you Richard has the answer. He might just. I mean, this is an amazingly convenient first question to get in your letters page. So what luck. And uh, Richard advises Larry to check the indicia for all the details. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Tell him what the indicia is, Chris. <clears throat> well, that's that small print that, uh, that I'm sure I, I mispronounced that says, like, this is this book, and it's owned by this people, and uh, this is where you send letters to, and this is how many times it comes out a year. You know, that thing that we never read except for those of us who review things and have to put dates on stuff. Right. About, you, about, you know what's funny? So around this time, you know, do you remember the ads for, like, subscriptions? I mean, they're always absolutely. great. You know, rem- I remember one of my favorites was Christmas the Hulk. Christmas ones were fun. Yeah. You know? 
He's, you know, Hulk is sitting back in, in his a easy bag. Yes. <laughs> He's sitting back in his easy chair and all of us, you know, he got the nice thing and you can check off the box and you can send off what comics you want. They have great deals and, you know, oh, yeah. all kinds of fun stuff. Then all of a sudden there was a period where these went completely, they completely vanished from the books. They did. Yeah. So the only way to subscribe was on the first page in the Indicia, as Chris said, right at the very bottom in the very, very fine print was a subscription information. You know what I mean? Yep. And I mean, this ElfQuest one, it tells you that you could order it. Now, the price cost 75 cents in U.S., a dollar in Canada. Subscription rate was $9 for 12 issues. Okay. So you're saving like 30%. Yeah. And it was a... Right, and it was $11 for Canadian and foreign, because us Canadians are foreigners, dirty foreigners, Chris. Big time, big right? time, yeah. We're not, we shouldn't even be talking, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can actually get, you can, they'll mail it to you with second-class postage rates, and boy, <laughs> were they second-class, maybe third-world postage <laughs> rates, Chris, because... Yes, I made it no secret that I, I did subscribe to several books, and one of the ones was the original Wolverine solo book. Okay. I was a huge Wolverine guy and wanted Marvel Comics Presents, and I got the Wolverine solo book. And these came in mailers, literal, like, newsprint-type mailers. And by okay. the time you got these things, they were destroyed. They were, like, they, they started out of the gate at very good. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the ones that weren't folded in half and jammed in your mailbox of, oh, these were horrible. <laughs> now, they eventually got a little bit better because they, you know, they gave you backing boards and different sure. things like that. But, whew, these were hard. But I did order from the Indicia. That's my long way of saying about that. Yes. about that? I wonder if they still do second class. Maybe that's why my DCBS order always shows up like three weeks late. Oh, no. When you <laughs> when you subscribe from DCBS, they, I mean, these things... They, they could have survived the nuclear war. I mean, these things come back nice and neat. They Not do. Marvel, they just sending it via pigeon carrier over the Gulf. Literal pigeon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pigeon shit and all. It's true. Now, uh, next is Chris in Florida, which is neither of us. Um, nope. Now, they loved ElfQuest number one. And they want to know when the next five issues will be out. What, what the? Hey, when are the next five issues going to be out? Who says that, number one? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Richard says, hey, ElfQuest is monthly. So uh, uh, another so, convenient missive, right? So right now, I mean, what's Chris's last name? It only says Chris in Florida. I bet you it's Peeny. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. It's, 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 it's Chris not Peeny. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, so, it's Italian. So we've had some, some con- very convenient. So mm-hmm. he opened up with, where can I find a subscription information? Is this book monthly? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know when, when will these books be out? Like, he's just basically covering questions that are super, super convenient. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. How about Dave in Jersey? What does Dave, Dave Jersey? say? Yes, I bet you he's a little bit upset. Well, he, he has a little bit of a contentious but convenient comment. Um hmm. You see, he's been a he's he's an OG EQ fan. He's been a fan since 1978, and you know what? He was skeptical about these reprints. He no. was, when he when he found out that Marvel was reprinting these things, he put his he put his index finger at his chin, and thought. He stared into the nothing and thought, and then he bought it. And he's not a fan of the new Marvel material. He says, "Hey, these transitional pages were childish." And unnecessary, and he wishes the peenies luck with their endeavor. Ooh. 
This mm-hmm. feels like a stab at like the shooter memorandum. But Maybe. is is this the peeny? Peeny's literally speaking out as Dave in Jersey about having That's... to do these pages and thinking that they're unnecessary. I think is this a you know a very suggestive you know what what do you call it? What, what's the word here I'm trying to use? Like they're Passive trying to make aggressive. A, uh, yes, yes. Uh, that but is under, one way to look at it. <laughs> under an assumed name, sort of using Dave in Jersey as the scapegoat to say exactly what's <laughs> they have on their mind. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we got to do some friggin' new pages. Jeez. How childish and unnecessary. <laughs> oh boy. I now can hear I'm... those conversations. <laughs> Next, we've got Just... Nettie. Oh, go ahead. If we get Richard and Wendy on the on the show, that's one question I'm asking them. Are these letter columns? For, and I just want I want the true answer, guys. If you are listening to this thing, we want to know really your thoughts on this and this letter column. Are these real people or not? Yeah, the statute uh, of limitations is over. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, we're good. Truth. Now, Nettie in Alabama. Well, they think ElfQuest is the best comic book they ever read. Okay, okay. fair. Fair, fair. They, they bought the Marvel number one in hopes that it'll become <clears throat> a collector's item. Uh, also, not much of a fan of the new transitional material and wonders oh. why it's even included. Mm, they're doubling down. They're doubling down. They, they really don't want to be doing this stuff. Now, RP takes this opportunity to discuss how, and I mean, we've talked about this before, the yep. original ElfQuest Warp comics were 32 pages, and now they had to be kind of squeezed, condensed, or just refigured into 22 pages for the Marvel format. And I mean, we've discussed this a whole lot, and uh, that would mean that issues would be letting letting off in awkward places, kind of like this one did, and uh, the new material would provide a semi-organic bridge between the shorter Marvel issues, so... Stuff that we've talked about, stuff that we will probably say many more times during the duration of this program. But uh, yeah, another uh, another questioning of the uh, the Jim Shooter uh, ordeal here. Well, Chris, more ElfQuest is better for me because I love all sure. these added pages. I love getting the extra content, and it's one of the reasons that I would even bother buying these books in the beginning. Because, you know, I, I read the other ones in my library, and I thought they were great, and that's how I first digested ElfQuest, and that's the way I, I enjoyed them originally. But having extra stuff? Come on. you, you got, yeah. If you're a fan at all, you're going to want more. Why would you not want more? And let's consider this as, I mean, ElfQuest was a magazine-sized book, a boutique yep. book, a book that you weren't going to throw in a pile with your superhero stuff, right? right. That was going to be something that you sat and you read – and it was a totally, maybe not a totally different experience, but a somewhat different experience than the, the, that month's issue of Spider-Man or that month's issue of Superman. Here, these are Marvel comics that are probably going to wind up on the stack of everything else you bought that week. Right. So you've got you've got an X-Men, you've got a Spider-Man, you, you've got a Daredevil, you've got an ElfQuest. You read it the same way because it's kind of part of that same routine, right? Where you get that extra transitional page to remind you what you read last time. Yes, there's nothing Elf wrong with isn't that. It's its own thing anymore, right? So it's uh, you know I, as a you know comic fan, a Marvel comic fan, a DC comic fan, I am totally fine with a rejoinder. You know, telling us absolutely. You know, once again, that Wolverine has a healing factor and razor sharp adamantium claws. I have no problem reading that. It's not right. a big deal. Now, now you you now if you don't know if you live in a cave altogether and don't know that Chris does a show called X Lapsed. You'd know that a lot of the newer X-Men material go out of their way with volumes and catacombs of text pages trying to keep you organized and up to date. But let's be fair. I I know it's not our favorite thing in the world, but 
they're not catering just to us. You know what I mean? They're catering sure. to that one fan and literally the only one fan that exists <laughs> that, that comes around and, and reads these individually. Uh, but those text pieces are, are, are for the casual person who, who are just jumping in on the on the yeah. show. You know what I mean? you got to have some transition, especially super important on a book like X-Men where it's such – there's such a deep history. There's oh, such yeah. a rich storyline happening and potentially confusing to a new reader, hence Absolutely. the extra pages. And I know a lot of people can't stand it, but I know their purpose. Will I skip over them? Yeah, 90% of the time I will. But they're there if I need to know something. You know what exactly. I mean? Which is which is good. I don't see any issue with it. Shut no. your mouth, people. <laughs> Next up, we've got Andy in Houston, Mississippi. Oh, I didn't know Houston was in Mississippi. I didn't know that there was a Houston in Mississippi. I just look. I just <clears> raised <throat> on by that like it was natural. That yeah. that's like. That's like like Americans who only understand where Vancouver and Montre- Montreal is. Hey, we know where Toronto is too. Oh, Toronto, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> three three places: mm-hmm. Vancouver, mm-hmm. Montreal, Montreal, Mon- yeah. Montreal, Montreal, yeah, and, and, and Toronto, and Toronto, <laughs> Toronto, Ontario. At, at, at least at least you had some uh, some background. You actually watched Degrassi, so you got the, yes. you know, the understanding of like pronunciations. But uh, okay. good for you, good for you doing that work, Chris. Talk about yeah, I, I can't talk- do the pronunciations, but I know them. So. Uh, <laughs> What, so what does Andy, Andy in Houston, Mississippi say, Chris? Well, Andy, he asks about some critters who appear on page three, panel five of issue one, which might be the nerdiest thing we've ever typed Whoa. into a Google Doc. Um, and that 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 covers a lot of ground. Um, now, Andy, our... get out of the basement. Get out of the basement. There are <laughs> females yourself. in the world. Females in the world. Turn Star Trek off. Okay. <laughs> RP says he never gives things away that'll come up later in the story. Now, we know what these critters are. Um, and, I mean, at the risk of spoiling it, they are trolls and they are preservers. And we yeah. will meet the latter about halfway through the run. We're not going to tell you what they do, but we'll meet them. So I didn't pick up on this at all. So, Andy, good good for you. And He's I perceptive. feel sad for you all at once, yeah. <laughs> Next up, we got Tim in Oregon. Or Oregon. I I. I However, what, what is word. it? So, so we just we just messed up all the Canadian provinces. So well, let, let's settle this: Oregon or Oregon? <laughs> well, yo, let us know in the comments below. Uh, <laughs> now, he asks if uh, there's going to be any other sort of woodland friends for the elves, and uh, RP gives us kind of a nebulous non-answer, which works as not to spoil anything. Kind of a you know. Just read on, you know, you'll find out in due time. I Fair just enough. wonder, are there going to be any more woodland friends for my elves? Do <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you imagine? A question, Tim. That's a reasonable question. Good for you, man. Good for you. Can you imagine writing that on a piece of paper, folding it up, putting it in an envelope, <laughs> putting a stamp on the envelope, <laughs> walking what it a, to a mailbox? What a uh, friggin' loser! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're just kidding Tim, if you're listening any, we, we anyway the, we, uh, we, we are now mailbag bullies you know that <laughs> we are we have john from parts unknown uh he wants more details on the elves telepathy okay and, fair enough Here yeah we go. Our, rp says that the elves have perfected this form of communication out of necessity so uh okay fair enough not non-answer mm-hmm. i want now, more details well they sort of have to use it Oh, thank you, Richard, for all that info. Yes, that was great. Um, next, we have two letters that all that both talk about some very um, 
very convenient things, uh, the same things. We're going to start with Matt in Connecticut. He wants to know why the humans refer to the elves as demon spawn. Okay. Then we get a letter from no name in parts unknown. Who? Uh, oh. <laughs> you, you know what? Poor James Hudnall over on Mortuary Mondays. If only he's he's literally screaming from his grave, going, "If only I knew it was this easy, I would have wrote my own letter column." Oh, could you imagine? Like, like, hey, we got 15 letters from name withheld. <laughs> you don't even. I know. You don't even need to take up addresses. Come on. They're, they're not even putting any work into it. It's like Tim in Houston, Mississippi, you know, or, or should Andy in Houston, Mississippi? Parts unknown. Nettie in Alabama. Come on. No, no name. He or she claims that their mother said that ElfQuest is demonistic and how mom would burn those comics if she found it in their room, which almost feels like we're maybe getting ahead of a potential scandal here, doesn't it? Ah, oh, this is washing themselves of the, okay, keep going. Yes, I get it. I get it. No. RP replies by uh, explaining that ElfQuest is a fantasy story and they have nothing to do with any of the satanic panic sort of stuff. Uh, it's just a story. Because what was happening in the, happening in the late 70s? Well, mm. if you're if you're the peenies, I think that you're dealing with all the PSD, uh, PTSD from all the 70s era letters around these Dungeons and Dragons thing, okay? So in the late 70s and 80s, a lot of people were in the process of like burning your records because they had this bad messaging. You know what I mean? Jesus told me to burn my kiss records because it said, here's to my sweet Satan in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what was going on. And I mean, dungeons and dragons just got railed oh, over yeah. this for being demonic and possessive. Mm -hmm. And people were going out of the way to shut these things down and, you know, stop these campaigns and save our school kids, man. So this is the, this is the peenies literally, Shielding themselves from criticism and and separating yeah. themselves from D and D and smart sure. move to be smart move definitely. to be honest with you very smart. definitely smart yeah that's, but, but uh, then but a little bit later then they get into something else and we'll talk do. about that in just a second <laughs> they do and uh, yeah the satanic panic here uh, Reggie and I did a cosmic treadmill on uh, yes. the dark dungeons Jack Chick track <laughs> which is all about that it was it's wild stuff and it's it's probably hard to wrap your head around during current year if you're a, if you're a younger listener i mean and younger to us is like 30 and below if uh, that is young that is young damn it, it is it is it's uh, it's it's kids these days i mean if you are you know under 30 you probably have heard of the satanic panic but you didn't live through it i barely lived through it i was you know my mom was you know she knew what dungeons and dragons was and thought it was something that i shouldn't be involved with but uh, it was never a don't do that sort of thing. I just right. didn't do it because I can't sit still long enough to do it. So it's, <laughs> you know, during the 70s, though, like you said, backmasking, you know, people playing records backwards and trying to, like, find anything that might sound like Satan or hell or devil. And it's crazy, crazy stuff. The lengths that they would go to. Oh, my God. To, uh, insane hoops they jump through. One of my friends was a Pentecostal pastor. 
Uh-huh. And he had these things called youth groups. Now, I was not a I was not a religious kid, but mm-hmm. this guy was my friend. So he asked me if I wanted to come over. And I said, yeah, hell yes. What was going what, You know, what harm could it be? Sure. And they had I remember it vividly. They had a Kiss record and they had a Led Zeppelin record and mm-hmm. they were playing them. They were backmastering them. So they were back playing them and they had the yep. recordings of the back messaging. And one was. Here's to my sweet Satan. Here's to my sweet Satan. Here's to my sweet Satan. I'm like, oh my. They're not saying that. Give it up. Yup. <laughs> it's wild, wild stuff here. So yeah, this is smart for the peonies to get out in oh, front yeah. of this and be like, hey, not all fantasy is D and D, and D and D ain't satanic in the first place. So we're we're not satanic twice oh. removed. So yeah. very smart. Uh, next, we got Byron in California. And uh, he addresses some criticisms that he'd never really received. Um, he writes that, quote, some people he knows tell him that ElfQuest is for kids. Huh, also, ElfQuest is a waste of money. And that they should be reading other comics. Okay, so I'll tell you what about your other comics. What does, uh, you know, I know they're not satanic, but uh, here, here, kids, is a reason why ElfQuest is not a waste of money and is uh, not just for kids. Because uh, we all know that kids love books with orgies. Yeah, yeah. Right? They, Boy, they are do. you wrong. What, what, are you, what are you giving your kids? The orgy book? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, another very convenient uh, message. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Byron also gives Archie some props for not turning ElfQuest down for a second time. And uh, oh. RP replies to Raz Archie a little bit here to rub, uh, rub the salt in the wounds here. So another... Very convenient message here. Uh, this this is literally Richard, or it's Richard by himself. I don't know if Wendy had anything to do with this, but he's definitely, you know, uh, bending bending the uh, the Marvel Comics thing over the wood horse here and just addressing all <laughs> criticisms here with these phony letters. It's great. It's true. It's true. Next up, we got Matthew in South Carolina, and he writes in to say that he and his brother each wanted to buy a copy of ElfQuest number one, but their bitch of a mother only let them buy one. <laughs> She is a bitch. Let's be you know, fair. It's true. And now they have to share it. Ah, oh, so, bitch. Uh, <laughs> um, so there's one less sale that uh, that Marvel made on this book. Um, Keith in Pennsylvania. He's impressed with issue one and he'll probably buy issue two. So cool story, bro. <laughs> Man, I mean, he's so impressed with this book that he may, may. <laughs> By the next book. I mean, go, go, Keith, go. I mean, what a ringing endorsement here. Whoa, woo. And, and again, this person got a piece of paper out of their drawer, got a pen, wrote this on the paper, folded it, put it in an envelope, stamped it, walked down to the mailbox and sent it. I, I, bought, I liked it. Maybe I'll buy the second one. I think these letters, if they were real, they're, I think they're truncated. <laughs> Might be. This is, oh, this is like one of the podcasts that I try to enjoy from time to time, and there's heavy truncation, and you know who you are. <laughs> Next up, we got Lynn in Vegas. Uh, claims that a month is way too long between issues. Um, asks about the ElfQuest novels. So uh, I guess uh, RP gets to plug those here, too, which is pretty convenient. And RP says, you know, hey, we've got some, but uh, we don't have any plans for any future ones just yet. You know what? I would buy ElfQuest novels. I'm I'm not a real huge, super huge novel reader, but Mm -hmm. I think ElfQuest is is built for this, to be quite honest with you. I think you can get away with it. You can get a lot of lore in there. Um, 
I bought a couple of the they were Blood of Ten Chiefs is what they were called. And they were basically stories about the the prior chiefs of the Wolf Riders. You know, you got like Timon or Timorn or whatever his name was. Uh yeah, you got Bear Claw Bear Claw stories in there, uh Tanner, all those people. Wow. And uh they were uh I, I thought they were kind of boring. But uh <laughs> but I mean they were there if you want the lore. And I, I mean we're both fans of lore. So I mean yes, if you want it, it's there. Um I I'd think like to might see be, a picture of that. Could you take a snap of that for me? I, I got to dig it out of a box, but yeah, as soon as I do, I, I can. Pretty I cool. can certainly do that. Uh, but yeah, I did buy that because I think I only had like like five bucks in my pocket, and I couldn't buy the the twenty dollar graphic novel, so or the trade, Fair. and so I had to. Uh, I needed something, so I bought that. Hmm. But that is our very very convenient letters page. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have asked wow. for better questions on these, right? <laughs> Super convenient. Good job, Richard. Mm-hmm. Next up, our bullpen bulletins. And I mean, this is this is bad. Um, we start with a piece by Bob Layton about Jim Shooter, which, I mean, we're not betting men, but I, I think this is supposed to be funny. Boy, is it not. This is this is somebody who's like super upset and taking jabs at his boss. That's what's happening here. Yeah. Bob talks about how Shooter once harassed him and accused him of being a radioactive nuclear terrorist clone. And I think that happened. (laughs) It probably did. uh, Bob, Bob, he assures us that he is not a uh, radioactive nuclear terrorist clone, but he is a Xerox replicated entity. Oh, where where is that? Is is that funny? Is that is that was there a punchline in there? Ouch. Um, Now, he says that Shooter put together a strike force against him called Bladders. And that's an anagram for Bob Layton Anti-Defamation and Defense Elites Revenge Squad. Um, So laughing yet? (laughs) Uh, What's funny about this is that there's very, very, like, there's huge, huge known stuff about Bob Layton's relationship with Jim Shooter. They didn't get along. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why Layton left was because of his, you know, or Grunewald especially. That's that's mm-hmm. the big one. Yeah. Was that Grunewald and Shooter didn't get along at all. So, I mean, whew, this is pretty heavy-handed stuff. I, I don't think there's, you know... There's a little bit of masking going on here, but, I mean, Layton did manage to follow Shooter around a little bit, but, I mean, I don't know if either one of them had real, true respect for each other, and uh, I think it's pretty well clear here that they don't. Yeah, yeah, and then Mark Runewald gets in on it as well. Uh, Then there was a win a dream date with Bob Layton contest where Bob got stuck with a pair of Romanian sisters with thick Stan Lee-like mustaches. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that that would play to a current-year audience. Um, Leighton attempts to reveal something personal about Shooter, but it gets censored because Shooter is the big boss. Uh, he also talks about how the comics press don't much care for Big Jim. Uh, they call him opinionated, stubborn, and thick-headed. And he says that Shooter will soon be releasing an autobiography called I'm Okay, You're Scum. <laughs> um, he, Ouch. He says that Shooter's luxury condo is a mess and it looks like a giant bag lady lives there. <laughs> this is like the stupidest shit we've seen in a long time. What, oh, my God. Why are we wasting? I mean, couldn't you have given us like the, the hype box or something or a, a wow. profile? 
This is just so dumb. This is blatant. Like, we've seen a lot of blatant stuff happening. I mean, when you talk about, you go through the Moratory Monday archives, and we cover a lot of these in detail, mm-hmm. and you literally get to see inter-office politics playing out in these oh, yeah. uh, in these letters. You know what I mean? Hirings and firings that happen every single week. You get to see people shufflings. taking... Yeah. Oh, man, huge. And it's all on display, but this one takes it to a new level, man. This is yeah. This is a burial of Jim mm-hmm. Shooter here. Yeah, this is the dumbest stuff that we've seen, and we we both read the recent Women of Marvel special. So I mean, oh whoa, <clears throat> oh boy, yeah. let's move on. Moving yes, on. next up, the mighty, mighty Marvel checklist. Hmm. Now we've named a few things here that stuck out to us. Uh, Quest Probe number three, the did thing in the Human p- Torch. Did you ever hmm? play Quest Probe? I didn't ever play it, but I do have all the issues that came out. So um, did, did you ever thing- play it? No, did this thing physically exist? I did have some Quest Probe, Quest Probe issues. They had they, the ad that was in these comics with the Hulk going going towards the probe or whatever was just mm-hmm. too much. I always wanted to have them, so I did collect them a little bit later. So it was really cool. But I didn't see. Um, I've never seen this game. Either I, I'm person. sure it exists, but I, I I've never I've never seen it. I've never played it. I wouldn't know it if I saw it probably, but. Uh, now, we were supposed to get a fourth issue of Quest Probe featuring the X-Men, but never came out. Um, what happened I there? Do, I think the just the entire initiative kind of petered out. Because um, the first one, I think, was Spider-Man, then it was the Hulk, and then it was the uh, you know the, uh, the Marvel 2-in-1 gang here, the, uh, the thing in the Human Torch. And four was going to be the X-Men. I guess by then, interest had passed or faded or whatever. Um, but I do believe that the story... That was going to show up in Quest Probe number four was reprinted in an issue of like Marvel Fanfare or some one of those side books that yeah. like nobody ever bought, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, next, we got Red Sonia, the movie number one. Mention that because it's a number one. And uh, I, I don't really have much uh, for Red Sonia. Do you? Now, I think Red – well, I did I did enjoy Red Sonja at this time because it was all about the Conan movies and couldn't wait for, you know, Red Sonja to be in her own movie. Uh-huh. Then realized and, – and I was super huge on, you know, Brigitte Nielsen as Red Sonja, and they were going to have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan in that thing. Then all of a sudden, Schwarzenegger wasn't Conan. He just played this other side character because they couldn't acquire the rights or some right. sort of thing that happened. Yeah. And the story went downtown, and the movie ended up sucking. And it's too mm-hmm. bad because we could have had a really perfect Red Sonja movie. And, I mean, Bridget Nielsen was hot as balls during this movie. And, I mean, she looked great as Red Sonja. But, uh, sadly, the the movie – I did like the book, though. Wasn't this available in, like, one of those Marvel super specials? Doesn't that exist or was it the miniseries only? I, or just or just a one-volume edition? I think you might be right. I think it was a one-shot. I think it might have yeah. been a one-shot. Like, this is the whole movie I think, uh, adaptation. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I did have this, and I thought it was really, really good. I, I really did enjoy I loved everything that Marvel was throwing at me with movie adaptations, so I was buying them all. And this was okay. cool, so there you go. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people realized for the first time, maybe ever, or maybe even thought about it for the first time ever, that Red Sonja and Conan are different. I, I when, when Marvel announced they were bringing Conan back and you know introducing him to the actual universe— and then you see that like Red Sonja is still getting published by Dynamite. It's like, how did what? <laughs> I yeah, I know, I know. Same thing, but uh, no, no, they are different, different things altogether. Um, really strange. Pretty yeah. cool though. I mean, they, they've gelled so much together in the in early Marvel comics yeah. that you know you think they'd be part of the package. Someone dropped the ball there. It's true. It's true. Um, 
we get something about the Vision Scarlet Witch uh, in a West Coast Avengers crossover, which um, was probably very dull, uh, but would probably Oof. cost you a lot of money in the back issue bins right now. Jeez, um, yeah. Vision and Scarlet Witch alone, that was that's enough to put you to sleep. And then you mix oh, in the West Coast cool. Avengers, yeah. NyQuil will help you get your Zs. <laughs> yes, indeed. Speaking uh, of Zs, oh boy. <laughs> Next is a very important issue of uh, Alpha Flight. Now, it's Alpha Flight and the Incredible Hulk having a crossover, which is only notable because this featured the talent swap, where John Byrne left Alpha Flight to start writing the Incredible Hulk, and Al Milgram left the Incredible Hulk to start writing Alpha Flight. Byrne was like, I've had enough of my own shit. I'm leaving. (laughs) It talk about a snake bit thing here, right? Um, <laughs> Milgram comes on to Alpha Flight, and so everybody stops buying it, you know? Yeah. And then Byrne goes on to Hulk to bring him back to basics by getting him married. And that doesn't work. So he's booted, and Peter David comes in. So what a snake bit thing here. Oh, man. It was just all over. Hulk was one of the worst ones of all, man. That series was flip-flopping all over the place. Same with Alpha Flight. Once Burn yeah. left that thing, that was in the creative hell for a little while. Oh, boy. It got so weird. And then they got like, like weird body horror stuff. And then yes. Jim came on. It was just really bizarre Ugh. and not great. I don't think it was ever – I mean, the Burn stuff, I mean, take it or leave it. But, I mean, I, I, that, that was definitely the heights of Alpha Flight. Yes. For sure. Um, Balder the Brave, number one. Don't have, I think I may have some issues about the debris. I, I don't know anything about it. Can't can't tell you anything about it. I'm pretty sure um, this is a not an embarrassing story, but in hindsight, it's a stupid story. Uh, a shop by my house was giving was not giving out. But they were selling the a lot of the old Marvel four part miniseries in just like collected little bags. So like right. you could buy all four issues of Baldur the Brave for five dollars, you know, and it's like, Ooh. oh, okay, so I don't have to dig through the bins, and, and maybe I'll want to read this sometime. And so I'm picking these things up like they're candy, you know. It's like I, oh, the, the gargoyle from the Defenders. Okay, I'll take that one. The Falcon, <laughs> his four parts. Yes, I'll take that. One. I love that stuff. Love exactly. that. Exactly. Baldur the Brave, take that one. The Hercules, you know, Prince of Power. Okay, grab grab that. And so I grabbed a bunch of them, and there were a few that I left behind. And one of them that I left behind was Rocket Raccoon, which oh, uh, oh you dummy! The only one now that's worth anything. So it's like, <laughs> I do love those movies here. I'm a super super huge Marvel limited series fan. I love them all. Oh yeah, they. I mean, they used to matter. They used to be important. They were yes, the Hawkeye one. My God, I oh, love yes. that Hawkeye one. Absolutely, absolutely. Because so because now it's like the only people that get miniseries are the people who already have. Things out, you know, it's like or or you don't even get your own series. You get a series of miniseries. So, like, yeah. for example, if you're in Dark Horse, heaven forbid you you work with that company, <laughs> you, you literally just get like a miniseries, which, which drives me crazy True. because you don't have a consistent narrative. It just feels like little tangents of story that are completely unrelated. And I, I hate it. But this it's made true. sense because you these existed as stories outside of a broader thing. So the next mm-hmm. book we're going to talk about is Nightcrawler number one. Yep. Nightcrawler, part of your X-Men. Mm-hmm. But this is his own little side adventure as a pirate. And it's cool. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it had I mean, resonance. And it was, you know, it meant absolutely. something. So that's what I like about it. Yeah, because, I mean, the X-Men, they did this thing, too. They had the Nightcrawler mini. You had the Wolverine mini. You had the Iceman mini. It was yes. a lot of fun stuff. I mean, not like today where it's just like, let's give everyone an ongoing. And then when nobody buys it, we'll say it was a mini. And uh, 
Uh, this Nightcrawler one is funny because I always cite it because when you talk about Nightcrawler to like fans of any era, they go, oh, I love the swashbuckling Nightcrawler. And then you go like, <laughs> Wait a OK, minute. tell me a story outside the Cockrum miniseries where he's swashbuckling. <laughs> and it's like, oh, there are it, tons of them. And it's like, and it's like, it, I no, agree. He, I he, think he, there are he, a ton he, of them. But he did. He did return to that though, didn't he? I'm, I swear to Jesus, Swashbuckler returned. Well, he was uh, he was dead at the time. This was an Amazing X Men, and they went to okay. heaven where he was. Yes, uh, okay. He did brandish a sword, but uh, it's like, uh, but everybody's like, oh, I love the old Swashbuckling version. It's like that really wasn't as big a thing as <laughs> as we think it was. Um, and next in up, your fan have, card now. Yes. Next, we got in milestone issue here, uh, Iron Man number two hundred. I don't know what, what happened. Do you, let me let me uh, let me let me vamp for a second here. Iron Man for two hundred. It is. Ba, 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 ba. It's Iron Man versus the uh, the the Titanium Man or the Iron Monger. It, it doesn't doesn't look very important. Written by Denny O'Neill. So uh, take him. Take him. <laughs> And it's the it's the red and white suit Iron Man for extra suckitude. Yes, yes indeed. Man, did I not like that costume. I really that is one of the one of the worst Iron Man costumes of all. I hate it. It's an red. ugly costume. Um what I do like about that era is the extremely ugly logo. The, oh the man logo, the logo is so ugly that I can't help but love it. Man, it is brutal. It is so homely. It looks so low rent. It is. But it's looking like, at it, it's like I love it. <laughs> if you drew it with a straight edge, like in your class, like with a ruler, it that's what better. it looks like. Yes, it, <laughs> it would look better. It sucks. Oh, it's oh. awful. But it's like part of me just can't help but love how awful that damn logo is. <laughs> um, like there's not. It's it's just the words too. There's no symbol yeah. built nope. in it. There's no pop. It's just 3D nope. lettering. It, Iron Man, red it, and white. It's not even like justified. It's just like it's crap. Um, now we also have the amazing Spider-Man annual number 19, which asks the very important question, is Mary Jane really Spider-Man? Oh, well, why, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I mean, talk about seeing the future when with the Spider-Verse and Spider-Island and all that crap. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's what we, we paid money for back in the day. I don't remember that. What the hell happened in that book? That I could not tell you. That I, I could not tell you who was who was even the writer of that Amazing Spider-Man Annual 19 here. Let's see who that was. That was 1985. So that was a long ass time ago. Uh, that was a Simonson Mary Wilshire joint. So the Power Pack people, I think. Oh. Yeah, okay. So you have uh, you basically have Mary Jane in her April O'Neil outfit. You know, uh, opening up her, <laughs> the front of her raincoat. Uh, having a Spider-Man logo on her bosom, and it says this is a job for. So uh, we're kind of crossing the streams there, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I never, I, I don't know that I've ever read it. Uh, the last bit of our mighty Marvel uh, roundup here is the Marvel graphic novel number 18, which is She-Hulk by John Byrne. You never did have that, did you? I never had the graphic novel of that. I do. I don't know that I've ever read it, but I do remember loving. The uh, John Byrne She-Hulk stuff. What, oh, do you have oh any God, yes. Oh, hell yes. The the breaking of the fourth wall oh, and all yeah. that stuff. You you talk about something that Daredevil steals a page from. John Byrne yeah. rent like 
oh my god this was just like she hulk was talking to her fans making like all kinds of editor yeah talking to her editor breaking panels literally walking out of your of her own book doing something else and coming back like there was all kinds of stuff going on in this book it was hilarious chris oh and burn burn was on fire at this point too i mean this this was him just having fun and enjoying mm-hmm. his work, and it really came through. That and that She-Hulk series, I'd stand it up against anything Deadpool this day and age because oh, that was 100%. that was hilarious. And Deadpool is ripping that off wholesale. Yeah, it's like you get like kids these days, right? Um, they'll if they were to read She-Hulk, they would be like, "This is ripping off Deadpool." Yeah. If they read Ambush Bug, they'd be like, "Who's this Deadpool ripoff?" I right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, no, they were first. Come yep, on. They were first. And I, t- I got confused because I thought it was the, the shitty She-Hulk graphic novel ceremony. You remember that garbage, Dwayne McDuffie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I hated that. I hated uh, that. That was I think that was 89. No, it's 87. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a little later. Yeah. yeah. But I don't remember if this if this graphic novel was a, a fourth wall breaker or, or not. I don't I don't recall. I think this was. It played straightforward, wasn't it? As far as it I might recall. have been, because this was probably because he was was he still in the Fantastic Four at this point? I and She Hulk was in the was on the Fantastic Four, so maybe it was a maybe this was more of a Fantastic Four spur rather mm-hmm. than She Hulk's own thing here. But that's the end of our Marvel Mighty Marvel roundup here. But we do have Star Comics, and ah, I know you're a big yes, fan of Star yes. Comics. So if nobody knows what Star Comics is, so Marvel back in the, well, 87, uh, mm-hmm. were attempting to revolve. Well, attempt, first of all, for the backstory is they attempted to buy Harvey Comics. You know, everybody yes. knows Richie Rich, Casper, Hot Stuff, the Little Devil, all those great characters. They wanted to buy Harvey Comics, which was which went bankrupt. So mm-hmm. there was nothing left. They still had a, They still had the, you know. Uh, the rights to all the characters and they still had, you know, their their artists and all that stuff were available. So they attempt to buy Harvey, which led to Marvel actually hiring all the Harvey talent when they when they couldn't buy it. They they rounded up all the Harvey talent for yeah. Star Comics. Now, they couldn't produce Richie Rich and they couldn't produce Hot Stuff, the Little Devil. So they had to come up with original books. And I Quote think unquote. this is where the yes, this is where they got themselves <laughs> in trouble. So instead of Richie Rich. They created the very thinly veiled Royal Roy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and boy, did that end up, uh, you know, uh, causing them some extreme legal woes and killing this thing before it even really got off the ground. But I really love this. I, I love Planet Terry. Get it? Mm-hmm. Planet Terry. Yep. Uh, which was about, you know, Terry, uh, his robot, Robutta, and uh, Omnis, you know, and they're mm-hmm. in search of Terry's long lost parents. And they even brought this character back. When CM, remember when, yeah. remember when remember when CM Punk was doing like that Drax miniseries when he was like a bounty hunter? You got yeah. to see play you got to see Terry and Robata and all these people again. And it was really cool. I loved it. Oh yeah. But I tell you what, Star Comics were comics done right. They had all these great IPs. So they had, think about it, Masters Universe, which is still the best Masters Universe book that ever was. It was right from the cartoon. If you like the cartoon, you got the cartoon on your page. Not a lot of this crap that you know people like IDW try to do with adding lore and all oh, this yeah. stuff. Nope, it was it was cartoon and toys right in your in your book, and that's exactly what I loved about it. Thundercats, the book, both of these things were right on the money. You had droids, you had Ewoks, you had originals like Top Dog, Peter mm-hmm. Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. I mean, Spider-Ham blew up. Oh, He's yeah. a huge character this day and age, you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Now there were some that went away, like Top Dog went away. Wally the Wizard was, you know, w- you know, one of these plays on some of the old Harvey characters, Planetary, and Royal Roy, of course, <laughs> cost them a bundle, bundle yeah. of legal money. So they they went away. But man, did I love me some Star Comics, and I still have a ton of them. And it just oh, it yeah. just is. While I was digging at the basement, I found my Ewoks collection. I found Planetary, and nice. there's just so much good there, man. I mean, Spider-Man even crossed over in Top Dog and different things like that. It was so oh, good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah he, so they, he did the anointment of the, of the yes. characters here like he would do in the 80s. It's These are things that you'll you'll find these things in the cheapo bins, too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if, you, if you're even in the slightest bit curious and you just want to have some some good times here with, uh, with some books that are, you know um, – way too young for us but it's still a lot of fun definitely something you should check out look at the array that they had on sale they had planetary number eight peter Mm -hmm. porker number four ewoks number four wally wizard was at number eight so this one started at the gate early royal roy muppet babies and get along gang number four so there you go Mm -hmm. wow get along gang haven't heard that in a while yeah that's that's a that's a that's a blast from the past isn't it um, get along, gang. Get along, get along gang. gang. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had Montgomery. There you go. Yes, uh, the moose. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now it's it's so cool how they have this thing here, and it, it's when we when we look at comics these days, and they try to launch something like an imprint or whatever, yep. it's always so half-assed. You know, here it's like, hey, we're gonna put this star thing out, and here's a bunch of titles. You know, here's if if unrelated you titles. Want, yeah, if you don't want Muppet Babies, you got Royal Roy. You know, it, it, there's so many, and I think Fraggle Rock would show up. Yeah. There was a ton. Well, there, was, there was so much. They were hit. They were hitting all these classic toy IPs and mm-hmm. cartoon IPs. And to me, I'm shocked that this didn't last longer. But uh, sadly, it it didn't. It fizzled out quick. But a part of that yeah. was, you know, the lawsuit and having to cut their losses with this thing. So for sure. For but sure. there was one book on this list, and I challenge myself every single week to read something from Epic. Ooh, and the Epic man, yes. I feel like punching myself right in the dick for this. Which one did you read? Alien Legion number one. <laughs> 48 pages, Chris. 48 pages of this thing that I read. Oh, oh Jesus. Anyway, geez. okay. So, so here you go. I'll, I'll break this Hit down. Up. So Alien Legion, basically exactly what it is. They're like a military uh, built from the government of aliens. They're armored aliens. So Uh we start this book. The original Alien Legion gets completely annihilated by the enemy, okay? And they have to restart with a – get let me kick me in the ass if this sounds familiar – a ragtag bunch of guardians. (laughs) Okay. But for those who aren't confused, it starts out – with bio pages so we get to know these people right out of the great so it's right out of the gate so you get people like great names like tori mantrak 111 you get segregar jogger grimrod miko torka that's the quick and dirty and i mean like you get some of them they try to they try to do crazy stuff like i'll tell you about uh like tori mantrak 111 so basically he's dc's gunfire okay (laughs) And they do all these weird things. You know how every sci-fi like has the, has their different elements. Well, sure. age, for example, is called standard age cycles. So not and, years. No, and when you're a basketball player in the future, apparently you can be a helium ball player. Oh. So like our our good friend Tori Mantrak, he was 24 standard. Yes, one one one. He was. 
24 standard age cycles old, and he was a helium ball player and a swords champion, but he was forced into the Legion by his dad. Then you meet a guy called Saragar, who is a, get this, an emotionless blue Mr. Smock with a snake body. But he was highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. Then you got the criminal turns weapons martial arts master, Jugger Grimrod. I mean, you can't even make up these names if you wanted to. They even had Admiral Akbar which was Nico, <laughs> and he's a doctor who, who fled his world due to an ecological disaster. So, I mean, you know, it's one of these things. Then you got one guy who's called Torka Dunn, who's a former politician who was ousted because of a scandal and has to join the, the Legion reluctantly. So right now you've got all the hijinks. You've got like a former jock, okay? You've got mm-hmm. Mr. Spock. You've got a criminal. <laughs> you've got Admiral Akbar. And you've got a former politician, and they become the new legion because the other ones are killed. This is – so I'll tell you what kills this book. So mm. your characters need to be at least visually attractive, okay? I think one of the sure. things that, that absolutely murders the investment in this book is that the characters are ugly. Like the, mm. I literally had no investment in them. They were hideous. Sure. And it really killed the book. But this is, I'm telling you what this is. This is Guardians of the Galaxy. This is what you see on the screen, huh. the, the Chris Pratt Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy. That's what this actually is. Because you've got all the hijinks, you know, of the, the jock who's, you know, forced into the Legion. His dad used to be a Legionnaire. And, you know, you got you got bits and pieces of all kinds of different uh, sci-fi milieu. Like you got your Mr. Spock and all this type of stuff, mm-hmm. man. It's a whole mishmash that turns into a whole lot of nothing. So, oh you know, 48 pages you got, but man, 48 <laughs> pages of time I ain't getting back. <laughs> Woo! Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that, that does not sound like a – oh, Ooh, yeah. <clears throat> so That's next a... time I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to see what else comes up, but I'm going to commit to reading an epic book every single month, whether it kills me. And this one almost <laughs> I did. I love it. Now, other epic books we had was uh, Dreadstar and Company, number five. Yeah, good. Moonshadow, the limited series, number four. Uh, Swords of the Swashbucklers, number three, which gets a little blurb that says, Mutiny! It's actually um, not bad. Swords, Swords yeah. of the Swashbucklers is not a bad book. Very good, like, artwork and stuff. Really, really mm-hmm. solid. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. Uh, Black Dragon, uh, the limited series, number five. <laughs> uh, the One, limited series, number two. One mm. meets the other. Don't don't know what Elf, that is. It, it was it's interesting. It's it's okay. weird, very weird. Um, Elf Quest number four, which we just discussed. Coyote yep. number fourteen, which probably had Steve Englehart complain about something. And uh, <laughs> Epic Illustrated number thirty-two, which features Dave Sims Cerebus. So huh. uh, yeah, did you know that like Cerebus is like basically a like Dave Sim made him like a public domain character. So like if you wanted really? to use Cerebus in your book, you could. So. Oh. That's yeah, interesting. interesting stuff. Yeah. But that is our bullpen bulletins slash Marvel Mighty Marvel checklist. And uh, <laughs> all we're left with now are the ads. All right. My yeah. favorite part, baby. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to start with a Oreo maze, a ah. maze to get to the center of an Oreo cookie. You know that resting in your box somewhere is a mint condition book that's probably worth something. Mm-hmm. And some idiot completed this Oreo maze with a pen, pencil, or worse yet, a crayon, and yep. ruined that book on you. Damn you, Oreo. Is all <laughs> have, 
Have you ever found one in your back issue in your back issue collection where the person did the thing? They 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 did the maze, but they did it wrong a few times. Oh, like they actually yes. like threw it into like yes. into dead ends. <laughs> and I mean these these mazes are pretty simple. Of course. You know what I mean? They're just meant to sell some Oreos for God's sake. That's it. So I so my recent one, so I'm I'm pulling I'm I'm taking out my storage room, okay? I'm I'm unearthing some of the stuff that I, I've forgotten that I even own. And I had the Return of the Jedi limited series. And I'm like, oh, oh yes. so excited that I had this. I'm like, oh, this is great, cool. And I mean they were they were reader copies. I mean they were not worth anything. But mm. right on the front cover of all of them, Chris, this book Who's is named? owned is owned by Friedrich F. Friedrich, you bastard. F. Friedrich F, Chris. As opposed to the other Friedrichs in the neighborhood. Oh my God. I was never more upset. All these, every single one of them. I mean, they, like I said, beater copies. I'm actually going to send you that picture now. I'm so upset. Nice. I, I'm literally so upset over this. So you just got to, you just got to take a peek right on the inside and you can see his name scrawled right across him. Here it comes. Incoming on Twitter. I'll even upload this. Here they are. Just zoom right in on that picture. Oh, Friedrich. Friedrich. Return the look at that middle one there, the purple, right under the banner. Friedrich. Yeah, right, right yeah. in the thing. Yeah, right in the right on right on top of the yellow one. <laughs> oh. oh man. I bet so, you Friedrich completed that maze, I'll tell you that. He probably did, but uh we want to give some words to the wise here that, that might sound a little dirty, but uh they we don't intend them to be. When you come upon a maze in a comic book, use your finger. <laughs> yes, please. Please. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Next up, we got the Bonkers. Remember Bonkers candies? Yes. They had uh, some fake ass Transformers watches. So watches Bonkers that transform. Crazy. So it's funny that you say they had the fake ass Transformers watch because didn't Bonkers always have the fake ass Mad Balls as well? Yeah, the the ugly balls. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? Like they were they like were the, the dollar store <laughs> of of the Chinese variants. Like this is crazy. And I, I did have a robot watch. I had a legit one. It was blue. But I tell you what, the worst thing about these things, they were so fragile, man. The legs were like basically on pins and they came off so easy. But man, I wore that thing proudly for about two days till it shattered. <laughs> I mean, you'd be less careful with a Rolex. Yeah, <laughs> one of these things because, like, if you, if you looked at if you told if you looked at the time the wrong way, the legs would spring off. <laughs> they were so Absolutely. cool, though. I gotta say, they oh, were yeah. they were great. They were great. They were very cool to look at here. Uh, next up, we got the honeycomb baseball foldout, and that honeycomb, is, of course, is a cereal that's big, big, big. And 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 baseball, what is it? Love it. Did, did, love did, it. Did, did this sell stuff? Did this sell breakfast cereal though? Tell me, did you buy breakfast cereal because of baseball, honeycombs especially? Never, never. Right, right, because this had zero resonance for me in Canada. And, you know, listen, and I love me some honeycombs. Let me get that oh, clear delicious. to you, okay? Delicious, but. I'll tell you what I did like, though. I, I did like that whole fold-out deal. That was pretty cool. So, you know. I'm, oh, yeah. yeah I, did, I did like that. But but baseball, I don't know, man. There's a there's a lot of Kirby Puckett stuff going around here that I don't understand. It's true. I, I remember uh, we might have talked about this ad over on uh, Moratori, but yeah. remember that Sunday's Funnies uh, cereal where you'd fold out the back and it would yes. be basically the Sunday Funnies? That, that's yep. fun. It is fun. Yeah. It is, but it's just a little extra pop of the ad, and you really remember those things. But mm-hmm. I, 
don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, it looks like it had some fun games in there, too. And plus, yeah. stuff you could win. So listen to this. Here's what mm. you could win if you Ooh. literally write in. You may win one of ten Panasonic 40-inch big screen TVs. Now, back in the day, this is 1987. If you had a 40-inch big screen, buddy, you were king of that road, brother. I'm telling you Big right now. Huge. Or you could win one of 500 Panasonic FM stereo headphone radios. Mm. Ooh. Badass. You were badass. And, you know, I Mm. I would feel badass with a 40-inch TV back in the day. I'll tell you that right now. Imagine how big and heavy that would be. You need a crane to bring it in. Oh, my God, Chris. I just noticed something. Mm. So are these scans of your actual issues? Yes. Look at the top of your Honeycombs ad. Oh, it, it, somebody wrote in there. 10, <laughs> 12, October 12th. Why would they put why? Why, why would they put a date on it? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, so uh, I guess somebody somebody bought this on October twelfth, or maybe it was their birthday. I thank you, you oh. idiots. Thanks, Friedrich. You jackass. <laughs> He's responsible. That's his new yeah, name. We're... If if you are a writer on books, you are now from this move, this podcast forward, Friedrich mm-hmm. F. F. <laughs> who was born on October twelfth. There you go. Oh, we're writing his boy. story here now. The story of the. The comic book writer, desecrator. <laughs> We're going to have to see if he, maybe he wrote in one of these letters pages. So I'd be, <laughs> be interesting to see. Uh, next, we have Baby's First Trippin' Poster. Oh, whoa, whoa, you're not wrong there. Yeah, it's a it's a black light poster for, for, uh, for children. Uh, <laughs> for children, I like it. <laughs> I love black light posters. I don't care what you say. Man, there there was something. Marvel used to have some amazing ones. Um, really? Oh my God! I think there's some Doctor Strange ones and different oh, things bet. around. Oh my God, Chris! You should take a look at this Marvel Dark Light posters. There are so many of them. Now I don't know the ones featured in this particular uh, ad are just some basic sci-fi ones, but there are so many cool black light posters out there. Man. They're so much better than our posters in 2021, I'll tell you that. Our poor kids don't even know what blacklight posters are, you know, yeah. and, and especially where weed is now, you know, is now allowable in many states and provinces mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? Like, you could actually sit back and enjoy your, your glowing poster and go, whoa, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, our final one is the uh, the DP workout. <laughs> I love me some DP. Just tell me. <laughs> now, I, I was uh, I was working in a temporary position um, about ten years ago, and uh, there was an area of this job that was called document preparation. Okay, and you would get little stickers on your badge for everywhere you were allowed to be. Basically, it was a very very secure location. So if you were allowed in document preparation, you would get a sticker that said DP on your on your badge. And uh, I worked with a bunch of guys and, and a couple of girls. And uh, one of the girls thought that DP stood for Dr. Pepper and uh, <laughs> would constantly say, Oh, I love DP. <laughs> and would go on and on about how much of a fan she was of DP. And so me and the guys would laugh a lot, but we wouldn't tell her, you know, what, what else DP stood for. Encourage that behavior. 
Of course, we want to we want we want as much uh, of the fun as possible. So we didn't we didn't ruin our fun here um, until one day one of my friends was in a very bad mood. And uh, and this girl's talking about how much she loves DP. And we start laughing and she goes, OK, I need to ask, wh- why do you laugh every time I say that? What does DP mean? And he looks her square in the face and goes, double penetration. <laughs> fall out her jaw drops and she she realizes that for like the past six months almost every single day she's been saying that she is a fan of double penetration so uh yeah so i see the dp workout here and i'm immediately brought back this is a really weird thing for kids yes so you got this jacked up dude. He sat down. He sat at his weight bench in this unusually weird red room with about yeah, he's in nine, nine yeah. million pounds of weights on that bar. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Dino Bravo would have trouble lifting that up here, even with Jesse oh, yeah. Ventura's help, I'll tell you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but man, it's so it's an ad basically for barbells and weight benches. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this the new Charles Atlas ad? Are they trying to promote this for kids or what's happening here? Like it, it's like an eighties version of that, right? It's like it's very it looks very, very eighties. Like you said, it's a very red room here. It's like it looks like a like that TV movie Invitation to Hell with Robert Urich. <laughs> like, yes, it does. Red. And uh it just looks like it could be like a music video. It could be like a, a hair gel commercial. It could be. It does, yeah. It looks like he's like a, yeah, he looks like a hair gel type of uh, yeah, commercial guy. Yeah, so it's like, it's very 80s. And uh, it's like, I can't tell if he's, the, the, the color is so saturated yeah. that I think he's wearing a tank top, but it looks like he just has letters tattooed on his chest <laughs> because of how oversaturated <laughs> this thing is. <laughs> it does too it's so funny and he's got those socks buddy and they are at knee they height right there. yeah they <laughs> are up they're he the white protecting tube socks. those shins yeah the white tube socks with the red rings around them i mean this guy don't they say aztec or something or something like that i don't they know look it. like they do they look or maybe a, maybe they're adidas's i don't know but they are yeah, they are they are loud and proud. Now, now this this article says that these these benches and barbell sets are for home use only. Now they here's their selling point: no noise, no rust, and no mar. M A R. What the hell is no mar? Uh, how is it a selling point to me? Why am I buying these weight things with no noise, no rust, and no mar? Yeah. <laughs> I have not the foggiest idea. I don't know either. You, you don't want mar when you when you buy a weight bench. <laughs> That's what I always say. Oh, Let's mar, that? please. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, I'm looking up weight bench and mar on on the Google machine, and I got nothing. Oh. I'm getting some weight benches that were uh, that have re- that have reviews on them from March. That's about it. Yeah, nothing else there. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's too big. Uh, there's there's no phone number here. We could call them. And find oh, I would definitely. Don't tempt me, Christian. You know I will. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get me some of that DP fit for life. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so so uh, it's funny bench. because they. 
this is one of these things, you know, it's costly because there's no price given. It's just a mail away form to get the catalog. You know yes. that you're in for some trouble. It's like, you remember those old, old ads where it says, build a hovercraft now Send oh, yeah. for catalog. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm building that friggin' hovercraft. And then you realize it's $9 million of NASA money to build <laughs> this thing at home. It's true, man. Turn, convert your Electrolux vacuum cleaner to a hovercraft. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. Let's see here. I'm looking <laughs> up some DP here. On don't Google <laughs> oh, DP, no, children. No, no, kids. No. Founded Run. in 1961, DP was started by Forrest H. James. So for all of you who are fans of DP, you can thank Forrest. Um, he discovered a new way to produce barbells. A clean and attractive barbell was the first product that he sold. From there, FOB recognized that there was a need for fitness training at home and decided to expand to other products. Now, between the years of 1962 and 1998, DP sold hundreds of thousands of pieces of exercise equipment at such stores such as Sears, JCPenney, and Kmart. The company was the largest manufacturer of home fitness products in the world. And I guess they're, uh, I guess they're gone now. Hmm. I guess his socks were too tall. They couldn't keep up. Way too tall here. So, uh, wow. You could still, if you go to Craigslist, um, I mean, you don't want to go to Craigslist and look for DP. <laughs> it's a double faux pas. Safe search on, safe search on, and uh, you can maybe find some of these weights on Craigslist. So, do they ever specify what DP actually means here, or are they just going to keep you on with? You know, they didn't mention. They didn't mention unless I unless I read it and didn't realize it. Um. Uh, like normally, these things would have like dynamic oh, pressure. Diversified products. That's what DP stands for. That is the most generic. Generic. Wow. Making a wonder they're out of business. Shame on you. Shame on you, Fob. I wonder oh. where this Jack guy from the ad is. If you're listening to us and you're the jacked guy in the ad, we'd like to hear from you. Is that a tattoo you're bearing on is your that chest? That a tattoo. Yeah. Do you have a uh, Do you have a DP tattoo on your chest? Do you still have those socks? That's what we need to know. These are the important questions we raise here on Quester Days. I I think they lasted until he discovered Paula Abdul. <laughs> well, and they you were got done. A, you, you got a lot of coverage. You can get a lot of moisture cleanup <laughs> with those big bad boys. You can you can get like through th- th- three passes with one sock. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! And on that note, um, <laughs> we're out of here. We have baby. wrapped up this issue of ElfQuest, cover to cover, uh, story and back matter. Front Before and back, we catch, double P, TP, every which way but loose. Oh, with our black lights on and uh, Friedrich F doing his thing. <laughs> oh boy but before we get out of here how about some plug-in how about you tell the folks where they can find you on this uh in this worldwide intrigue net hey check me out over on twitter at charlton underscore hero where you can see me battling the trolls over on the over on the twitterverse talking about retro ramblings you know standing up for social justice and making sure that some of my friends you know don't sell their products based on comics gate you know it's one of the things that i do right it's just <laughs> It's just it's it's, it's 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 a citizen that I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'm also here. If I tell you what, I want you to check out the backlog, not only of the last three episodes of Quester Days, but check out Moratory Mondays, which we were very Absolutely. proud of that work over here on the Chris and Reggie Network, uh, where we go through in gory, blinding detail, just like you've heard <laughs> episode four of uh, ElfQuest here. 
of Strike Force Moratory, one of the best series out there. So that's where I will plug today, sir. And uh, yeah, hang out, shoot me a shoot me a tweet over on the Twitter, and I will respond. You may not Beautiful. like the response, but I will. There you go. No <laughs> guarantees of your of your no, satisfaction is not guaranteed, but the uh, the reply is. Um, <laughs> Of course, you could find me here and there and everywhere. Uh, this is Chris and Reggie.podbean.com. Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com. Usual show here is X-Lapsed and uh, now the essential X-Lapsed, now that we're caught up with the uh, current year stuff. So um, it's and there if you want it. And don't mm-hmm. spoil my boy Christian, okay? Because he is on a, a a spree of dodging you you spoilers on the interweb. So please, <laughs> please do not spoil it's my true. man on the X-Men. It is true here. As I get more and more current, it's like everything is being spoiled. And, uh, yeah, some big things have happened, but uh, maybe keep it in your pants. Please keep it in your <laughs> pants. Um, 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 you know, I, I want to I enjoy this stuff on my own terms. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I do on the uh, social media. You can find me at Ace Comics, of course. Uh, you can shoot us an email, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, and we will read all of the emails for this show on the air, and we'll have a good time with you. Uh, if you're Friedrich, if you're the weight guy, if you are the woman who pulled that auction, we want to hear from you. So I just uh, realized like we can make up our own fan letters like, like Richard did. Sh- oh, oh, oh. oh <clears throat> sorry. Okay. Damn it. <clears throat> Dear Chris, Tony and Chris, in Arizona, yeah, dear Chris and Chris, how how are you? How come you guys are so wise and handsome? And oh yeah, <clears throat> and where can I send you money? That's it. Um, well, funny you should ask. No. Yes. Um, by, by by the way, Magneto has killed. This wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute! What is happening here? What's, oh man! And please, people. Dag <laughs> Now, uh, you can also call in if you want to be part of the show in an audio way. You can call us up on the voicemail hotline here. Uh, that is 623-396-JERK. And uh, we'll play, yeah, we will play your audio and we will talk back at you and uh, let us know what you think about ElfQuest. Let, you, let us know what you think about these ads. What do you think about people filling in the, the damn puzzles on your uh on your comics and uh, maybe some Royal Roy and planetary. We want to hear about everything on your mind. So uh, let us know, let us know what's for dinner tonight. We don't care everything. Um, but yeah, I think that's where we will leave it today. Uh, again, Chris and Reggie.podbean.com. And if while you're there, you like what you hear, or at least appreciate the effort that goes into it each and every day, we would love for you to spread the word, maybe tell a friend or two and ask them to do the same. It would really, really help us out. And uh, I think that'll do it. So We want to thank you all so, so much for hanging out with us today. And until next time, as always, we will talk to you again real soon. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Got my socks out. Got my socks out. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) 